This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Let's get it going. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for a Wednesday afternoon. Andrew Hustler-Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. Uh, Big show today. Lots to unpack from last night's 6-5 overtime loss for the Winnipeg Jets to the Minnesota Wild last night. The team coming back for the home opener tomorrow night, salvaging one point out of a season-opening road trip. But considering the way things went down, a very disappointing end to a disappointing first three games of the season. Um, We're going to get into it with Remo in just a second. We'll also have an extended chat on the uh, Jets heading into tomorrow night's home opener and about last night's game with Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun a little bit later on. And in between that, not going to forget about the Bombers. Focus on the positive here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So we'll talk to Darren Bombing about the Bombers coming up in a few minutes as well. Um, as always, when we get things going, we got to thank the people that make this happen, and that is the sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk, including Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Not Auto Corp, Canadian Club Whiskey, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and of course our betting partner at Cool Bet Canada. Uh, Remo, let's get this going, and uh, I will welcome everybody into the chat that's joining us live on YouTube, and uh, <laughs> I'm seeing, I guess, the trident. The trident is the pitchfork emoji. Um, they're out, Remo. Not surprising after, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't even know where to start with last night's game, but uh, first off, how are you? Welcome to the program. Uh, what did you think last night? I'm feeling great, Huss. I'm in a great mood. And I just, before we get into commenting on the result of the game, I just want to say for a Tuesday night game, the third game of the season, um, this may be one of the best games we'll see all year. This was a bananas. This was a playoff like atmosphere. This game had a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff, um, you know, a capacity crowd which we haven't seen a long time, and how much the crowd influenced the game. You had uh, dirty hits, you had a fight, lead changes, great goals. Uh, the result didn't go the Jets' way. It was, what, a couple centimeters away from that, um, you know, with a Connor offside. But as far as entertainment, as far as entertaining product, um, I mean, that was up there. That's as good as it gets. So that was that was an incredible game. That's where I will start. Well, the season is back. The uh, The Central Division is very much back. And it didn't take very long to start feeling more like a playoff atmosphere. And Maurice talked about that. Maybe we'll play Maurice before we get to uh, Scott Billick coming up in a few minutes. You know, he did talk about the atmosphere, the intensity of that game. Um, a big, big ramp up from what the Jets and the Ducks and Jets and Sharks did in games two and games one and two of the regular season. I mean, we could start off talking about the power play, which, or the penalty kill, which killed them again. But, I mean, to be honest, Remo, I mean, there are so many ups and downs of that hockey game. Um, but I think what most fans are going to focus on is the fact that, you know, this team was up 5-3 with five minutes left, and you need to shut that down. Now, you know, Neil Pionk took a slashing penalty, unable to kill. Um, they were able to kill that off. Five minutes left, it's a 5-4 game. But my God, and I'm already seeing the comments in the chat. I mean, Kyle Connor did some great things yesterday. I mean, there's two snipes in the first period were absolutely world class. But I mean, I don't even know how to describe it other than just an absolutely 
careless lack of focus on what should have been the dagger for the Minnesota Wild and an empty net goal that would have iced it for the Winnipeg Jets. And, um, you know, to just not be paying attention to that, I mean, you know, this is, you need to have attention to detail in all the things that you do. And, I mean, I, I'm not suggesting that they spend time practicing, you know, dragging feet going into zones, but, I mean, that's just awareness. That just simply can't happen. And, you know, the result of that, I mean, one simple blunder was, in the end, one less point for the Winnipeg Jets and two points for a division rival. Um, so I know a lot of people are focusing on that. I'm, you know, the coach, I don't think anyone really had an issue with the actual call as much as I can't stand the offside challenge. I mean, that was pretty clear. Um, and in a lot of ways, the Jets were the authors of their own demise in a game that they absolutely had in control with just over five minutes left in the third period and a two-goal lead. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's a play that, uh, you know, guys on my own hockey team know how to stay onside. I mean, was he not watching? Was he was mind elsewhere? Um, I mean, we can get to the uh, – and usually I hate offside challenges. I think they're stupid. I mean, this off his being over the line had no impact on the play. And usually when you review it, you know, you got to get a magnifying glass to see. But this was one of the more clear offside reviews that it actually was offside and was – I mean, they, but hey, you know what? They still, still had the lead. Huss, and that's the thing. You still had the lead. Um, you still had a chance to win. You got to close out these tight games. And in the third period, where you have a, a the power play gets going, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's got two goals in his last two games now, um, a great shot. And then you had Andrew Kopp, who we've heard in chat all summer how he can't finish, how he's got stone hands. Your one guy. of the, go, you know, walks in down the middle and snipes one, to, like top corner, couldn't have placed it better. And you're in great position, but... You know, it's a penalty kill again, which is shockingly not the worst in the league at, sorry, I have to scroll all the way down to the bottom to find it. It's not the worst in the league. There are two teams that are that are worse, but the penalty kill at the third period wasn't there, and then you can't lock down. I, don't, I know there were a couple crazy bounces, and is yeah. it just me? I didn't want to say this. Is it just me, or do these crazy bounces only happen to Connor Hellebuck, whether it's... <laughs> whether it's a puck going around the boards and hitting a stanchion and going right in the crease, which has happened a couple times in Montreal, or him swatting away a puck going off a player's skate, or I don't even know what happened on that uh, on the tying goal there. I did Pionk swat it down. I watched the replay a couple times. I still couldn't tell if it got swatted down or it went it went straight in. But I mean, you got to you got to lock this game down. And I think it's the penalty. I mean, the power play got going. We can talk about you know certain players not. Certain players getting more ice time than other skilled players. We can get to that, but power play going. That was why Riley Nash. Riley Nash energized the power play, yeah, and they were finally able to uh, to get on the board. That's got that will uh, that will be an all time career high. I will I will yeah. bet right now that in Riley Nash's NHL career, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this has ever happened before, but going forward, four minutes and thirty eight four four thirty eight on the power play will be a career high. Uh, I'll be the first one to admit, I did not see that one coming into last night's game. But, but I mean, uh, sorry, I'll just say, you know, the Jets 53.3% on the penalty kill. Like, you're not going to win games like that. And I was no. looking back, this has been a problem for the Jets the last couple of years, consistently in the middle to bottom third of penalty kill. And, you know, just going by last year, they're missing a lot of their penalty killers from last year. Forbort, believe it or not, Derek Forbort led the team in penalty kill time. And it seems like they're trying to replace him with Logan Stanley. And him and Dylan DeMello are not getting it done. They were on in the overtime. We can talk about, you know, going for the goal 
and uh, coming back three on one in in the overtime. But uh, the bottom line is the penalty kill has been has been rough, and Hellebuck hasn't been as good as he needs to be. But I'm not I'm not blaming him. I'm just stating that he hasn't been as good. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I mean, like I was just rewatching some of the game, and you know the Erickson Eck goal that tied it up in the first. Um, it was a weird bounce behind the net, and then he goes to throw it out. It hits Riley Nash's stick and goes straight up into the top corner. Now, I guess I have time for Connor Hellebuck getting tighter to the post and having it not be possible, but, um, you know, it was. There was a few bad bounces. I mean, what can you say? Sometimes those are going to be in, but, you know, you still had that lead late in the game, and you need, need to lock that down. And as I said, there's been a lot of talk about Connor. I mean, the good and the bad. Certainly, I mean, he was brilliant offensively last night. I mean, that that, that period had, I mean, sorry, that first period that the Shifley Connor Copline had was um, was just outstanding, and in particular the two goals that he scored. Um, and I can even get past the the mental blunder that cost them the, the the goal. But I know there's a lot of talk about the decision making and the coaching. And listen, God knows we spent enough time yesterday talking about the very curious decision to go with eleven and seven. Um, you know, so Cole Perfetti wasn't out there. I mean, I think you can make an argument that Perfetti. Uh, you know, on one of those power play units, you know, might help. I don't think that this was a game that was going to change on whether Perfetti was in or not last night. Um, but I'll tell you what, at the end of the game, you know, there are some players that probably could have been quite useful in locking down a lead. David Gustafson's one that comes to mind right off the bat. I mean, we've been talking to Ken on this program about Gus, his role going into training camp. And I kind of said he was the one guy that didn't really seem like he was given a legitimate shot. It was on the fifth line, essentially, even when he was with the big crew. Um, what have we heard about David Gustafson? Elite defensive player, great face-off guy. All those things that could have been really helpful last night. Um, and Maurice talks about roles all the time. You know, guys that need to be in their roles. Well, who are the shutdown guys on the Winnipeg Jets? Because, Remus, I don't know about you, there was that long delay we sort of knew that it was going to be offside and it was going to be called back. And um, I was stunned. I said to the guys I'm with, are they seriously rolling Connor and Shifley right back out? I mean, when I think of roles and shutting down teams, I'll be honest, I don't think of those guys at the top of the list. I mean, where is Adam Lowry? And where are some of these guys like the Riley Nash? Isn't that why they got him? A really solid defensive player. I mean, I would throw Dubois out there before those guys. So, um, I know there's a lot of talk and we've joked about it being a union shop and those guys have done so much, you know, they have really benefited from empty net opportunities. Um, and I don't think for a minute, some people are saying, oh, they're trying to get Kyle Connor his hat trick. You can't be thinking about that at that time of the game. You need to be thinking about winning the damn game in two points and who gives you the best chance to not get scored on. And certainly I know there was a lot of comments post game, but I mean, I said that as it happened before it happened and um it was a little confusing to me because for all the talk about roles um, and particular game situations that would seem to call for other players, it was those guys that were out last night. And next thing you know, they're fishing the puck out of the net and they're going to overtime. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. And I think there was a lot of talk about starting with, um, you know, the 11 forwards, 7D. And I posted that clip of you yesterday tr trying to you know rationalize what the Jets thinking was. <laughs> I think a lot of people responding conveniently left with the part where you said, you know, I wouldn't do this, but it seems like this is what they're trying to do. Uh, people left that out. But I think it's pretty clear that, you know, having a guy come in to play, you know, four minutes of ice time 
know, part of that on the penalty kill, which has been 50%, not an ideal. And you're talking about Cole Perfetti to have him or have anyone. And I think part of it, I think part of it is they didn't want to use up the nine, the nine games. I think they're trying to take their, take their time and they didn't have another body there. So they just rocked uh, the 70 or maybe they actually do think Bullyu is a great penalty killer. I mean, you look at their penalty killers last year, he is one of them. And a lot of them, um, a lot of them didn't return. Lewis, Thompson, Appleton, Poolman, Forbort. I mean, a bunch of your t- you know top ten ice time penalty killers from last year on uni- on a unit that still wasn't the best. I mean, not not back. So I'm not I'm not sure. So uh, well, that, I mean, that, listen, the eleven seven yeah. con- uh, configuration last night did yeah. nothing for the team. No. I, I mean. You know, and it wasn't even the case where, you know, it gave them an opportunity to throw Ehlers out there way more and maybe double shift him a little bit. Um, that you know, happen. Ehlers ended up finishing, you know, well below a ton, of, you know, a number of the players up up front. I mean, even Dubois, Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, Andrew Kopp, all with more ice time. And, and I didn't think it was one of Ehlers' best games, though, to be honest. I mean, those other guys, you know, were really going and they were scoring. And I get all that. Um, but I'll tell you what. It's uh, oh, I see John Burns with the super chat. What's up? Flames are averaging forty-five shots a game and two goals for a game. Oh, one and one. So welcome to the party, pal. Yeah, it hasn't been a great start for either club so far. Uh, they so got far Gib- this they season. got Gibson too, actually, the other night. I don't know if you saw that. We we each have got Gibson, the Jets and and the Flames. But it's fine. I oh, then you're going to need to figure that out tomorrow night because I'm pretty sure that's the guy that's going to be in net for Anaheim when the Jets try to finally get off the schneid and get win number yeah. one of the season. You know, it's funny you missed, mentioned David Gustafson, and I kind of agree. He was pretty much buried at the start of camp. I mean, he was on the fifth line playing with – we were we had heard all summer as how he was going to be, um, you know, the shutdown guy, the fourth line, getting penalty kill. And he started off playing with, I don't want to say nobodies, but guys who weren't close to the NHL in training camp. And he couldn't, he couldn't get no, out they, of that. And now he started with the moose. And here the Jets are rocking what 11, 11 forwards. Well, yeah. And well, here's my question on the to you, Remus, yeah. and everybody else in the chat. Okay, so if David Gustafson isn't that guy, who is? Yeah, uh, like, who is? I mean, is it not, is it not Adam Lowry? Is Adam Lowry not the guy that you start out going out with in that situation? Um. Anyways, that that was a real puzzling decision. Um. That you knew was going to get picked over. Um, when they weren't able to close the deal and win the, and win the hockey game. So, uh, I mean, again, it's three games into the season. There are some new players, especially on defense, and I think there are some growing pains with all of that. However, um, you know, the, 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 you know, putting Naple U in for four minutes, I'm not sure did anybody any favors. Um, and you ended up really relying on 10 forwards last night. Svechnikov only played six minutes. Um, you know, Veselainen wasn't much more. I think he was around 10. And I don't think he really did much in that game. Didn't mind Harkins. Um, but honestly, I mean, there's some really good things that happened with some of the guys up front. I thought Dubois looked excellent at times last night. I mean, had a nice goal. Obviously, what Kyle Connor did, you mentioned with Andrew Kopp. Um, but that's what makes this loss so disappointing, Remus, that you get those performances. You get five goals on the road. And you're not able to lock it down. And, uh, you know, you, this team comes back home, you know, with a point to show for three games on the road. Um, but again, it's very early. Um, I'll note that you've got something new in your uh, in the screen on the show today, which I'm sure is being hit heavily. Hmm. And I'm referring to the panic button, yeah, of course, no, by, uh, by many no people around there. No one's noticed it, but uh, for us on podcast, I got a little button here on my screen. I got the panic. I'm reaching for it. I, <laughs> like, I don't know if people in chat want me to hit this thing 
or not, <laughs> but I feel like people are, are getting closer, but it's there. I'm just going to leave it there. I don't think I'm going to hit it hit it yet, but I think you got to be concerned. I, I think it's just like the player the player usage at this point. You said, like, who's the shutdown guy on this team if you're not having Adam Lowry? Uh, who's going to be your penalty kill? Because I said... What happened using... to those roles? You know, the yeah. roles that we talk about. We need guys to come in. We need them to be good penalty mm-hmm. killers. We need to do this. We need them to go up against the top players. Well, that's the time that you need that. And apparently... It's Shifley and Connor who did so many great things last night. And yet, you know, there they were on the ice, first of all, with a careless play that cost their team a goal, um, you know, on behalf of Kyle Connor, not dragging the leg and staying on side. Um, and then getting thrown right back out there in a situation that I think many people would agree those players in particular are not best suited to. So, um, you know, coming out of it, there's plenty to get to. Why don't we hear what Maurice had to say after the game, Remo? Because we are going to talk to Darren Bombing in about seven or eight minutes. Uh, but this will be good to have for when we get back to this topic with Scott Billick coming up in a few minutes. So uh, it wasn't long. Um, you could really hear the frustration in the coach's voice, especially when it came to the offside incident that cost the Jets a goal that would have iced it. Um, but he spoke on that and a few other topics in a relatively brief Post gamer last night at XL Energy Center. I'm sure, you really liked where you were at with five minutes or so left. How do you sort of qualify? I guess how no, the game I, I liked it till uh, till we were offside on the empty net. I mean, that's a hard, hard fought, good battle game on the road. Uh, but like big chunks of it, didn't like that last minute and a half. The, the offside there. I mean, we'd look and say, "Geez, they had a lot of time to make the play," but that's looking at it after yeah, the fact. I, I, don't, I don't have an answer for you. Yeah, um, a lot of people say, "Geez, that's not what the spirit of the rule was." The rule wasn't brought in to take those goals off, but it's black and white, right? It, yeah, I'm not arguing the call. Yeah. Can you put it in context just the, the size of that emotional swing to go from that moment to the end compared to maybe some of the other things you've had? No, you know, I mean, it, it's. It's been an eventful first three games, and uh, we got lots of room to get better. We got some good things going, but uh, uh, I, I thought the this was the first game this year that's had you know NHL intensity in it. It, it was the building was right, the the game was hard, lots of physicality, lots of good chances at both ends, but both teams were playing hard for their chances. It was a a good scrappy win. You want you want to win that game so you can take all the good out of it and, and build from it. We'll try to take some of it. We've got to clean up some things, obviously. Like a, a mix of sometimes chaos, sometimes structure. I, I guess we'll start with the structure. What would be the, the elements of positivity like from it? Uh, we did more action around the net and to the net. Uh, shots off the rush. Uh, lots of confidence shooting the puck tonight. And... Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, up until partway through that second period, I didn't like some of our stretching and our breakout positioning. Other than that, there wasn't a whole lot. I was complaining about it uh, until the very end. Did those concepts from five on five kind of slide into the, the power play that you guys finally able to get the reward on? Yeah, yeah. I think it, I don't think it's been that far off. Our power play was really good in the first game, you know, twelve pucks in the net, and and it wasn't very good the next night. But uh, because we gave up the shorty, and and that's what you're left with. So two out of the three, we're we're, we're good with where we're at. I'm not sure what coaches look at. We look at the goal only in that moment. So I mean, is it a net clearance issue? Is it a puck clearance issue? Or is it? Yeah, I mean, the first one I, 
it's a puck clear. And the third one, I think it's a clear two, three of them, right? But the, so the puck doesn't leave your end. All right, so there's the coach. Um, a few brief comments after the game last night. Obviously frustrated that, uh, as I'm sure everyone in that locker room was, um, you know, heard from Connor and Shifley afterwards, who, you know, sort of did focus on, uh, you know, some of the good things that they did last night. But um, I think most people watching realize that was a real missed opportunity and one that got away on the Winnipeg Jets. Um, we'll get to tons more on last night's game, as well as a look ahead to how things might look different for the Winnipeg Jets in tomorrow's home opener. Uh, but Remo, before we do that, let's talk about Kirill Kaprasov for a minute. A lot of comments in the, a uh, lot of comments in the in the chat uh, about his presence last night, drawing a couple penalties that led to goals last night. Um, but to be honest, I mean, this series and this rivalry was back on the second that their star player decided that he was going to chicken wing Logan Stanley in the head in the first period. I don't know whether this guy is a death wish or is just not aware of who he's doing that, frankly, doing that to anyone on a regular basis will get your, uh, you know, will have serious repercussions. Um, and that got this that this game going in, in a very different direction. Uh, it got more physical. It got more heated. It got more chippy. Uh, and then, of course, we had Brendan Dillon stepping up. And, you know, there was a few moments where I, mean, I think things in their own end would like to be a little bit smoother. And that's a work in progress. But I'll tell you what, he was hitting hard last night and standing up and going up against Felino with that ridiculous Superman punch to begin the fight, um, you know, I think was a good sign for the way he's fitting in with the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, it really did feel like a rivalry game. And I'll tell you what I did afterwards. I'm like, when is the Wild coming back to Winnipeg? And that is a good thing. Get a little bit of hate between these teams, despite the fact that uh, in addition to all of that, it was just an absolutely wild, wild game last night. Yeah, there was talk yesterday. Who's the Jets' biggest rival? As far as 2.0, I know a lot of people like to say Edmonton or Calgary, but they haven't had the heated games like they've had versus Minnesota like last night, like other games other games in the past where they're going for the playoffs or even in that playoff series. And I and some people in chat are like, how did Kaprizov even get his elbow up that high? But it got there on Logan Stanley. Uh, pretty clear he's put in the elbow. I don't know if they're going to take a look on that. And then later on, you know, Kaprizov has the puck against the boards, does a quick turn back when to Dubois is chasing him down, and of course he turns right into Dubois. So I I saw people getting fired up on Dubois, but like he's kind of standing where he is, and Kaprizov's pulling these quick moves while people are chasing him and couldn't quite get away. But then after that, I was really triggered. I posted this on my own Twitter. The refs are hauling Dubois away. And Marcus Foligno, who had a great game uh, for for Minnesota, goes and just one-punches Dubois in the back of the head? Like, what is this? And I tweeted out, you can't even do... can't even punch guys in the back of the head in the UFC. And guys... And Dubois is getting carried away by the officials. And Marcus Foligno, you can clearly see him wind up and just drill him in the back. Like, come on, that's a dirty play. And then he does that stupid Superman punch. And everyone on Twitter is like, oh, Superman punch. Didn't even get Dylan. Looks like an idiot. Next thing we're going to see guys like doing pulling UFC ground games in these NHL fights. We're going to see start seeing like flying elbows. Yeah, what's like, his grappling? What's his are, grappling skills are, like? Are people can, he, gonna be, can he tap a guy out? Are we going to be seeing roundhouse hmm. kicks now? Hmm. In an NHL fights, it's just any any move you've ever seen to try to knock a guy out and fights now legal. Like, come on! I know people are like, oh, BX used to do it all the time. I thought it was dumb then, and like, that's not a not a hockey. Th- that's not a hockey fight move to one me. One of the I don't funniest. Know. 
one of the funniest things that came out of that, you posted that clip and then said you can't even punch guys in the back of the yeah. head in the UFC. And our good friend Aaron Bronstetter, who uh, does all the MMA coverage for TSN, did respond, it is legal if you strike the back of the head in specific areas. I'll see myself out. No. To which our pal Gregory got in there and said, really, Aaron, then that rule needs to be changed in UFC MMA then. That's a dangerous maneuver. Well, Gregory, you were right. I mean, the direct back of the head is, I don't want to get technical, but the direct back of the head is illegal. But it's like, if you get like the back, like top of the head, you're like allowed, or like above the ear, you're you're allowed, I'm pretty sure. But I mean, he literally wound up and just drilled the guy, no defense, I mean, defenseless in the back of the head. It was the stupidest. So, uh, and then everyone's just, again, everyone's gushing over this dumb Superman. But just, I don't want to get into all that, uh, all that BS, but uh I see people in chat. Polly says, bring in Jeff Malott of the Moose. Bring in his brother, who's a UFC fighter. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I didn't. I mean, it was it was crazy. Even Marat's like, I, I can't believe that this guy just pulled this. In well, BXA BXA tried that before in the NHL. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling Marcus Foligno is just a big WWE guy and like is a huge well, you know, Roman Reigns, head of the table. I mean, that's one of his well, moves, isn't it? The Superman punch I for think, Roman? Like, I, I think um, Foligno like jumped up. And then through a punch, which kind of is defeats the purpose. You want to lunge forward and use your momentum. And I think his technique was pretty was pretty poor, which is probably why he <laughs> did not hit Dylan. Hey, we're going to uh, have a plenty more to yeah. get to on yeah, last we, night's we game about, with Scott Billick yeah. coming up in just a few minutes. We we didn't even get to the Morrissey penalty in overtime. The possible penalty on Logan Stanley. How about Logan Stanley almost ending it? Uh, whether that or not that been, was the right, the right move, which well, I actually, of course it was. Hey, you're playing for the extra point in OT. That's very mm. different than, you know, with it being, you know, in the last minute of the game. I mean, you're guaranteed the point. You're going for the second one. Mm. You got a two on one. You got to try and score on that. Um, and then if it doesn't work, hope that your goaltender bails you out. And obviously it was uh, quite a crowd of green jerseys around Connor Hellebuck. And it was uh, hard for him to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get to all of this with Scott Billick coming up. We are going to talk bombers uh, with Darren bombing for a few minutes first. Uh, before that, want to thank our newest sponsor, Culligan water, the water experts in Winnipeg for over 65 years, family owned here in Winnipeg and celebrating that 65th year anniversary. They've got everything that you need for elite water for you and your family, softeners and filters, whole home systems and drinking water systems, bottled water coolers and bottle free coolers, not to mention water delivery services citywide. And if you have water needs for a commercial business or industrial, they've got water products and solutions for that as well. Pop down and see them at 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give them a call to find out more on what they can do for you at 694-5180 or visit them online at Drink. Culligan.com. Uh, we're also getting ready for winter, uh, unfortunately, against our will, but it is coming. But our friends at Manitoba Battery are ready for winter, and you should be too. Don't be that guy that waits until it's minus 35 to realize, damn it, I need a new battery. Uh, and you don't even need to leave your house. Save the money that it would cost you to go buy the same battery at a big box store and get it for less from the experts locally owned at Manitoba Battery. Um, right now, all stock, all in stock automotive battery prices picked up on Logan Avenue, $89.50 with the core exchange or delivered within city limits, $109.50 with a $15 recycling rebate when the core is returned. So pop down and see Donnie and the guys, along with maybe the greatest crew of nicknames of any business I've dealt with, the maestro, the godfather, 
Kimbo, Young Buck, Ninja, Kiddo. Uh, they're all down there. But most importantly, they'll power whatever you need, automotive or otherwise, down at Manitoba Battery, Logan Avenue, or online at manitobabattery.com. And uh, I'll also remind you, of course, Blake Wheeler was not in the lineup last night, um, but we had a great working with our friends at Royal Sports for so many years. Of course, these hats, everything else that we put out uh, with our friends at Royal, um, they've teamed up with the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. He's unfortunately quarantining right now in Minnesota after testing positive for COVID. Uh, but the captain, Blake Wheeler's teamed up with Royal Sports and Cancer Care Manitoba with a line of hats that they've got right now at Royal. The uh, wheel logo that you often see in the post-game interviews, uh, the BF logo as well. 100% of the proceeds are going to Cancer Care Manitoba. Um, so if you're in the neighborhood, pop down to Royal Sports 750 Pemina and grab one of the captain hats to support Cancer Care. And while you're there, check out the biggest selection of hockey merchandise, equipment, and more. Millions of dollars in inventory right there, not to mention the best merchandise selection in town when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets, Blue Bombers, NHL, NFL, NBA, which just got going, and of course, Major League Baseball as well. It's all over at Royal Sports, 750 Pembina Highway. All right, we are going to get back to some more Jets talk in a few minutes, uh, but we figured we'd mix in some bomber talk to keep spirits high, and uh, let's do that right now with Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports. DB, how are you, my friend? What's going on? Yeah, doing well, Huss. How are things with you? Well, I, I'm. I don't know. It, it's good thing there's a jet game tomorrow. Let's just say we can move on to another one because there's a lot to unpack from last night's game. Bill is going to come up a little bit later on. Um, I, I will say this just before we get to the bombers. Uh, the Jets' wild rivalry certainly back uh, didn't take a long for these two teams to reintroduce themselves in the Central Division, and uh, definitely a very different feel in last night's game than uh, you know the first two that got the season going on the West Coast against the Ducks and Sharks. Yeah, no question. Uh, I'm looking forward to being inside the arena tomorrow for the game and and see if the Jets can get back on track here with their home opener. But uh, it was a fun game to watch. You know, uh, I was kind of in and out uh, during that game, but man, Kirill. Kaprasov is is really something uh, to watch. And I caught your interview uh, with Jesse Pierce, NHL.com yesterday, I think it was. And um, it's amazing to think, you know, there there hasn't been a player this uh, hype worthy or excitement level uh, in Minnesota. You know, she she kind of reckons back to even Mike Madano. So, um, yeah, you know, the, the rivalry is back, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm maybe not amongst a lot of people, but definitely some out there. I'm looking forward to this central division uh, getting fired back up and then those rivalries being renewed once again. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Of course, uh, Jets ducks tomorrow in the home opener, still looking for win number one on the season uh, A far, far cry from our conversations about the Winnipeg blue bombers, DB class, of the league nine and one another win on the weekend against the Edmonton Elks. Uh, and they are now playoff bound and really just a mere formality before officially booking the Western final for December 5th. Coming out of the game, though, and we can talk a little bit about the game. I mean, you know, three games in such a short period of time against Edmonton, another double-digit win, although I would suggest that that game was a lot closer than maybe the final score indicated. All that being said, the Bombers did what they came to do. That was get a W, clinch their playoff spot, and they got it done. Um First off, let's talk about you know a couple of the injuries from that game, and in particular, Andrew Harris. And I know a little later on today, we'll probably get some more information from the football club. Um, it looked a little concerning earlier on. Then I think just from you know my vantage point watching on television, it seemed like maybe it wasn't quite as serious and certainly was a great opportunity for Brady Oliveira to pop in and remind everyone that the, they have got a great backup plan. 
Um, but what are you hearing about Harris? And what does this do for you know him playing in the final few games? Because as we know, I mean, essentially, it's all about December 5th at this point for the Blue and Gold. No question. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers would have to lose out their final four games of the season to not host that game on December 5th at IG Field and, and the West Final. And whether it's Saskatchewan or Calgary coming into Winnipeg for that game, I have no doubt the Blue Bombers will be heavy favorites for that contest unless the sky falls and something catastrophic happens between now and then. Um, that said, Andrew Harris, to me, is the biggest storyline for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers right now. And, and that's considering the Blue Bombers traded for, in my opinion, the best kicker in the CFL in 2019 in Sergio Castillo and stabilizing that one glaring weakness in this Blue Bombers team. Andrew Harris has really been injured or dealing with something significant all season long. It started on the third day of training camp, nicked up with something. We eventually learned it was a calf injury. And now it's a knee. And I believe it's the other leg. So he's dealing with something in both legs right now. We know he's 34, but almost that doesn't seem to matter because you watch him play, whether he's nicked up or not, or 95% or 75%, he looks vintage. That's the word I've been using to describe Andrew Harris all season long. He looks like his old self, a true vintage 33 and running as well today as he has really ever. How much of that is the O-line? I'm going to get to that in a second. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press and I both, I wouldn't say pride with Mike O'Shea yesterday, but we definitely pressed him on getting some clarity on not the health of Andrew Harris, but how prudent it may be to play him through this final stretch of games. The BC Lions are not playing their best football right now. They're going to come into Winnipeg heavy underdogs. There's two games against Montreal following a bye week. So another week for Harris and many others who are dealing with things to rest up. And then that final game against Calgary, that might end up being uh, another opportunity for the Bombers to, to rest and, and not push things too much. In the case of Andrew Harris, why put more miles on that classic car. Why push him to do more than what the team needs of him right now? When he was banged up in training camp, the word Mike O'Shea used in conversations with Harris to ensure that, you know, they didn't uh, push him too hard in those, you know, preparatory weeks for the season was conflict. Harris wanted to be on the field. Harris wanted the first team reps. He wanted to be involved. No preseason games. He wanted to do everything he could in practice. A hundred percent. And Michael Shea and the training staff want to limit that. So that conflict is between a player that wants to give everything he does. Like, I can't imagine an Andrew Harris being on the sideline as, uh, you know, a committee back. That's just not how yeah. 33 well, the, is, is wired. Let, let me ask you this, because, um, I mean, I'm with you. I and mean, we saw the way Harris was, you know, really trying. And keep in mind, this is after a lost season and all that time off. He really wanted to get on the field. Mm -hmm. We're in a very different situation right now. I mean, this team's nine and one. They've exactly. basically taken care of their business. And as I mentioned, it's all about the West final. And, and I'll say this about Harris. You're exactly right with him playing in vintage form. I mean, I've never seen a player that is almost guaranteed to get an extra two yards after they are essentially down um, yeah. just with the way that he moves his body. But all that being said, DP, I mean, he came back, missed those games, and was still just like 100 yards off the CFL rushing lead. Right. So he's been effective. 
but again, what what do they have to gain in these final four games? And I, mean, I think we're on the same page about, you know, going with extreme caution from Andrew Harris and focusing on December 5th. And to be honest, it's a great opportunity for Brady Oliveira to come in, maybe get Johnny Augustine some reps. I mean, yep. have these guys touch the football and whatever Andrew Harris needs to be in the best shape for December 5th, that's what they're going to do. But exactly. let me expand it past Harris because – as we mentioned, this is, I mean, almost inconceivable that after 10 games of a 14-game season, first place is all but wrapped up. What do you think this means for Zach Caleros and how Mike O'Shea goes forward? I mean, we've all heard the cautionary tale of 2001 when the Bombers were home and clear. They shut everything down for the last couple of weeks, ended up not showing up against Calgary, resting all their guys. They get into the playoffs, and then they beat them in the Grey Cup. So I'm sure that's probably in the back of Wade Miller's mind at some point, but the bottom line is they want to have put their best foot forward on the 5th of December. Um, your thoughts on Mike O'Shea's decisions going forward as to how he uh, handles his club, because you can't shut things down for four games, but no. at the same point, if something happened to a key player like Caleros, it could be devastating to a season that looks primed for a repeat. You look at 2016 through 2018, those pre-championship seasons for the Blue Bombers, they were not playing their best football when it mattered. And that was into the final weeks of the season and the playoffs. They always seem to kind of fizzle out. Whether that was a Matt Nichols injury or troubles on defense, it, it never seemed to come together for them. In 2019, they showed it was different. They were reaching that pinnacle when they needed to. And the addition of Zach Kolaris was a big reason for that, as was Andrew Harris being healthy and that O-line being dominant. Brady Oliveira came into the game, effectively played two quarters, like two quarters and a little bit of the second quarter going into halftime. And he was a hundred yard rusher. I think Johnny Augustine could have done the same thing. And that's not a knock on anybody. That's how good this offense is at running the football. When it comes to this final stretch of the season and whether it's Harris or, um, you know, an Adam Big Hill or, um, you know, a, a Zach Kolaris, maybe you don't take them out, but you adjust your game plan. If you don't need to win, Kolaris doesn't need to sit in the pocket and be a split second away from taking punishment. You can adjust your play calling. You can adjust your personnel packages and ease the load on those veterans that you're going to need on December 5th and ultimately December 12th in Hamilton for the 108th Grey Cup. I think Harris leads the way and, and I'm sure Kolaris and, and many others are in that same boat. They want to be on the field for Andrew Harris. Everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say how 2019 went. Andrew Harris wants to show everybody he's able to do it again two years later and one season removed. So he wants the rushing title. He wants to be named first team, uh, you know, all CFL. He wants all of the accolades because he knows that he is capable of doing those things. He doesn't need the pat on the back. He just wants to show everybody and show his team that he can help them. Uh, but Winnipeg has that luxury of depth of strong system. And as you mentioned, being nine and one and everything going in their way, be smart, be prudent, do the smart uh, things today. So December 5th and for the gray cup, hopefully uh, for the blue bombers that uh, they're in the right place and, and have the right people available. Yeah. I I'm with you on that. I mean, as much as Harris uh, is a gamer and would love to be out there each and every night, it makes no sense if he's not 100% to have him out there. And there's an argument, even if he is hundred percent to keep him in bubble wrap until you really need him on the fifth. Uh, the one thing I'll just say on, on this topic before we go um, it was pretty interesting to see the absence of Jamarcus Hardrick on the offensive line last weekend against the Edmonton Elks in that 
you know, I, I, you know, no disrespect to the, you know, Patty Newfeld moving over, but I mean, Hardrick is Hardrick for a reason. Um, and he's been such a huge part of the protection of the quarterback as well as the running game. Zach Caleros took a couple big hits in that game. Um, and the more that you play games without your top offensive line, that's the point where you might get a little bit nervous about the quarterback position. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Andrew Harris and how important he is and how you need to have him uh, available. Listen, if something happened to Harris, you know, Brady Oliveira is not going to be Andrew Harris, but I think he showed that, you know, he's ready to contribute to wins. If anything happens to, to Zach Caleros, it's over. I mean, Sean McGuire's great on one-yard touchdown runs, but I'm not sure he's going to be commanding the offense like Zach has so far. So, I mean, to me, maybe some of the decisions that, you know, refer to Zach Caleros have a lot to do with the health of the offensive line and how they're looking going into these games. Yeah, I'm on I'm on the same page with you there. Jamarcus Hardrick is a CFL All-Star for a reason. And while Stanley Bryant so often gets all the accolades because he has, you know, back-to-back most outstanding offensive lineman awards, Hardrick is as valuable to this offensive line as anybody. Um, you know, Michael Shea talked about his infectious energy and that, you know, him just being on the field, having a helmet on, being in that huddle, it really kind of energizes and gives everyone that boost, uh, you know, from series to series. Um, Winnipeg, again, has depth and has that embarrassment of riches. And the Canadian talent is is so good that Jeff Gray can come in. Pat Newfeld can can kick out to the outside and they can get by. They can still have a hundred yard rusher in two quarters, like two quarters. Brady Oliveira played and he was well over a hundred yards rushing. That's just how good they are but you're right if the you know catastrophic happens and the blue bombers lose qb1 i don't think anybody is going to be as assured or even picking the blue bombers to be hoisting um earl gray's mug on december 12th in hamilton so the defense has been good but they haven't been that good that you can basically this win isn't without the quarterback playing. right is it the baltimore ravens no it's <laughs> it's not you can't get by with trent dilfer um winnipeg needs zach Kolaris to find kenny lawler to uh you know uh, be that passing threat so the run game is as strong as it is if it means taking him out in the fourth quarter in these games against montreal in or in calgary that can be a good thing if you got you know a couple scores and, and you're you're confident with the you know the way the game is going michael shea often talks about that his decision making often relies on that feel of the game and how he's kind of sensing things his team's energy the opponent the the score the situation the weather all of those things um but yeah no doubt they have to be careful with zach Kolaris. you know like i mentioned earlier maybe buck pierce needs to be careful or measured in how he rolls out offensive plays to not put his important players in vulnerable positions. Definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely. Darren Bombing with us from Bonfire Sports here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, you touched on it briefly, but the big story this week was the addition of Sergio Castillo. Uh, coming back to the Bombers, he, of course, replaced Liram Hiralahu after Hiralahu went one for five in that game against Edmonton. And I think Castillo was showing that he probably was going to be a good CFL kicker. But at that point, Kyle Walters was done with it, wanted the sure thing, signed Justin Medlock, and we know what he brought to the club for four great seasons. That being said, DB, a a lot of excitement about Castillo coming in because I think justifiably so, that has been the one glaring weakness on a team that in all other aspects seems primed to raise that great cup again. Now, just thoughts on Castillo coming in and Maybe a little bit more in the background of a guy that, you know, as you mentioned, was 41 of 45 kicking field goals, albeit indoors most of the time in B.C., but in the 2019 season. 
Yeah, Castillo was really good in 2019. And when it came to our uh, CFL uh, TSN top 50 players panel, we had to pick one kicker. And I actually sent my ballot in, not realizing that Sergio Castillo wasn't eligible because he wasn't with a CFL team to start 2021. But he can punt. He's extremely efficient and and was nearly 90% or or just over 90% uh, this past season and as a career, well over 85. So it's amazing to think pre-Medlock, the Bombers had two guys that are getting NFL looks and and in Sergio Castillo's case, even kicked in an NFL game uh, over the last couple of years uh, or or in the the 2020 season. Um, It's, it's, I, I put it out on social media uh, yesterday, Hustler, and was blown away by the response. Have we ever seen a city this excited for a kicker edition? But when a team is this good and everything seems to be falling into place, the depth, the star power, the dominance on both sides of the football, and no matter who their opponent is, and that one weakness is kicker, and then you sign a guy who is getting NFL opportunities, was that good the last time he kicked here in Canada? It really has people feeling like, oh, the one worry we had about the Blue Bombers, maybe no more. Now you have Ali Mortada going into a game this week against the BC Lions, a lame duck kicker. And we had a chance to talk to him yesterday. He's saying all the right things. Michael Shea has said the right things to him. He still, you know, has one job and that's to go out and and, and make threes and, and make it happen. But in the end, we know that if it comes down to three healthy kickers here in Winnipeg or four, they actually signed a Canadian kicker out of the University of Guelph yesterday as well. And he's on the practice roster of four guys, it's going to be Sergio Castillo and and they hope he's the one they can rely on when maybe the weather isn't great and and when those kicks mean a heck of a lot uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, well, I mean, it is sort of unbelievable that the team's 9-1 and and the kicking game, as bad as it's been, has not been an issue in any of these games. And, you know, it speaks to what they've done so far. But again, everyone expecting if they're going to win the Grey Cup, there will be some close games and they will need those big kicks. And that's a big reason why... Castillo was acquired by the Blue Bombers this week. Darren Bombing with us. DB, uh, whenever we have our CFL conversations over the the last couple of weeks, whether it's with you or Hammer or some of the other guys that pop on the show, I'm always asking this question, and I'm interested in your thoughts. Who's the biggest threat to the Bombers right now? Who's number two? Maybe who's the biggest threat in the West, and uh, are they the number two team in the league, or is it the Argos or somebody out of the East? Well, when you, when you talk about the East, I would have said the Montreal Alouettes. And I was really looking forward to these two games on November 6th and 13th in their home-and-home home, uh, upcoming here, Hustler, because it was the number one offense with Jake Wineke and Vernon Adams and, and a lot of other really good contributors. Gina Lewis having a heck of a season in Montreal uh, as well. And then Vernon Adams Jr. suffers a pretty bad shoulder injury, and now they've traded for Trevor Harris. And whether it's going to be Matthew Schiltz or Harris, by the time the Blue Bombers play them in those back-to-backs, we'll have to see. I would have said Montreal. Now I'm more leaning towards Toronto. We'll see how they're able to kind of gather and, and play their best football um, Um, into November. But to me, no surprise, the biggest threat to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is from the West Division, and it's the Calgary Stampeders. I said this on iLily. That's the uh, uh, audio social media app. A lot of us Mm -hmm. CFL reporters are using this year. I said it several weeks ago. Don't sleep on the Stamps. This is a team that is extremely well coached. One of the best, if not the best or most proven general manager in the league, maybe outside of Kyle Walters, in John Huffnagel, they go and sign Trey Roberson. So you got maybe the best cover corner in the league in Deshaun Amos. You add Trey Roberson to the other side time with, I believe, the Chicago Bears in the NFL. Like they're stacked 
with talent and defense has been that one area. I think people weren't exactly sure if it was up to snuff because of so much player personnel mm-hmm. turnover, but whether it's Bo Levi Mitchell or a soon to be healthy coming out of COVID protocol, Jake Mayer at quarterback, they can get the job done. They have the best play caller in the CFL in Dave Dickinson. Bo is a proven commodity and knows how to win when it matters. And a defense that I feel is only getting better. Good special teams there in Calgary as well. They started the season really bad. They're playing better football now. They could be playing great football uh, for that regular season finale um, in Calgary against the Blue Bombers on November 20th and maybe that West Final back here in Winnipeg in December. Well, and of course, and just bringing this back to uh, Saturday's game with the Bombers and Lions before we go, DB, I mean, the Bombers, as we've mentioned, are kind of prepping for the 5th of December, trying to stay healthy, keep doing the things that they've been doing well and, you know, peak for that moment. The British Columbia Lions, after getting their asses handed to them by Calgary last week, I mean, these next couple of weeks are like playoff games for them. I don't think we're going to see a, a crossover this year. I mean, part of it is just with how weak Ottawa is and the other Eastern divisions. And, of course, the West team has to have a better record. There's no tiebreaker. I mean, a clearly better record. So with where Saskatchewan is right now, with what Calgary's been doing lately, the result last week, um, BC could be on the outside looking in or hanging down with the Elks planning for 2021 or 2022 uh, if they don't make it happen and that will make things interesting on Saturday night because the stakes are very different for the two uh, two combatants well it seems like every team that plays the Winnipeg Blue Bombers goes on a little bit of a dive after getting their hats handed to them <laughs> by the blue and gold it's just been a reality in the CFL this year and whether that's uh, you know them being bit, beat up physically because of how physical uh, a level or style of play the Blue Bombers play or whether it's a morale breaker in that wow look at how good this blue bombers team is beating us by 15 20 points and and it, it kind of just uh you know is a bug chewing at the back of their brain going into their next couple games but you're right the bc lines are up against it nobody's ruling them out or writing them off they have a very dangerous quarterback they got a pretty good defense um but they don't run the football like it's it's confounding how this BC Lions team used to be such a power physical run team, similar to how the Blue Bombers are today. They did it with Andrew Harris for nearly a decade. Then it was Jeremiah Johnson absolutely smacking teams in the mouth and and really controlling things on the ground. They go and sign Mike Riley, and I understand there's been a lot of coaching turnover since Mike Riley's arrival in BC, but the reality is they've completely gone away from even trying to run the football if they want to find success and they want to keep defenses honest, they got to find a way to uh, be effective on the ground, try to pick up five yards per carry. So second and manageable isn't second and long. And you're relying on your all-star quarterback to do it all himself. Um, You're right. These are playoff games for the BC lions. Let's see if they can put up a fight against the blue bombers on Saturday, but Mm -hmm. uh, that task is tall. That hill is high to climb. Darren, I know you're going to be at the hockey game tomorrow night, but uh, Saturday of course is game day down at IG field. And of course that means another edition of game day, Winnipeg over on bonfire sports. What are you and what will you and Walby be focusing on, on the big show on Saturday? Yeah, we're going to get into the debate of similar to what you and I talked about and and whether it's prudent and how to manage the health of these players and and a football team that really has a lot to lose and not a ton more to gain than they already have starting nine and one on the season. Of course, 
Ali Mortada, Mark Leggio, and what Sergio Castillo can have potentially bring to this team to stabilize that roller coaster kicking situation uh, going into this year. And, and the future of Mark Leggio, is he a guy the Blue Bombers see for the years to come? Will he continue to handle punting duties? Or is Sergio Castillo somebody they might want to lock up long term and mm. go American at kicker like they did with uh, Justin Medlock for the last four seasons? Yeah, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, Rima will throw the link right there in the chat. But get on over to Bonfire Sports, hit that red subscribe button, and make sure you check out all the content that Darren's cranking out on the Blue Bombers. And of course, the great game day Winnipeg coverage heading into each Bomber game along with Chris Walby. DB, thanks for doing this. Maybe we'll see you at the rink tomorrow. Absolutely, Huss. Always appreciate you, man. Have a great day. All right, great stuff with DB. Don't forget, Game Day Winnipeg is live Saturday morning. Bombing and Walby hit it on the YouTube channel and make sure you uh, see what the guys have before Saturday night's game, 6 p.m. at IG Field, where the Bombers look to officially clinch the Western Division title and get tickets starting to be sold for December 5th at IG Field for a trip to the Grey Cup. Um, We were going to get back to the Jets. Scott Billick coming up in just a second. Um, Do want to thank Princess Auto, one of our newest sponsors. So great to have Princess Auto on board with us. I'm not sure we've had better response for anyone coming on board with us because this is uh, for people that like doing projects, fixing things, working on things. Princess Auto is clearly top class. Um, No matter what it is you are planning or envisioning, Princess Auto has the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Um, Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto, where we pride ourselves on helping you create the ideas in your head and making them a reality. Whether for your shop, worksite, or home, Princess Auto knows you love finding the right tools and equipment to build or repair things yourself. You can shop uh, in person at either of two locations here in the city of Winnipeg or shop 24 hours a day online at princessauto.com. Um, going to be a few little brown jugs uh, consumed, I would say, over these next few days because there is going to be a lot of hockey downtown and a lot of sports watching, uh, and nothing goes better with a big game than a cold 1919 or little brown jug. Of course, fall vibes are in effect with the new double. Sort of compare that to a butter tart, if you will, if you're uh, so inclined. You can certainly try that down at the Tap Room on William Avenue or online at littlebrownjug.ca. A couple other specials right now. Um, the 19-liter and 50-liter summer lager kegs right now are 40% off. Um, you can find out more in person again down at the tap room. And speaking of the tap room, if you've never been there on William Avenue, just a beautiful facility. It's where the magic happens with the brewmaster making all the beers. Great patio as well. But as we get into winter, people are going to be looking for spots to have Holiday parties, bachelorette, birthday parties, and more. Little Brown Jug's a great spot for that. Head on over to the events page. They've got a direct link right now with an event booking page where you can find out about booking your holiday party, birthday, bachelorette parties, or more. It's all there at littlebrownjug.ca. And uh, Moose playing tonight on the road. Tomorrow we got Thursday night football. Of course, baseball tonight. Um, Tomorrow also Winnipeg Jets going up in their home opener. Jets and Bombers. Um, Listen, Boston Pizza is always a great spot. But right now with so many sports on to watch, it is no better place to get together with the gang. Enjoy a few ice cold schooners, a great pizza, some Boston Pizza wings, and the big game with the big sound on all the screens. Pop by your local Boston Pizza tonight or stay home and order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, that was fun talking to DB about the Bombers. 
But let's get back to the Jets. It's been a while since I've had a chance to chat with my good friend, Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. And God knows we've got a lot on the docket today. <laughs> Scotty, what's going on? Great to have you back on the program. Yeah, good to be back, Huss. And yes, of course, uh, a ton. I mean, 11 goals last night, uh, a blown third period lead, uh, a crazy overtime, a penalty in overtime that was uh, wishy-washy, I guess, at best. And uh, yeah, just some really fluke goals, including on that on that game one or, so, or on the game tying goal, at least. But yeah, it just what what a game, uh, what a start to the season for the Jets. Uh, not so much, I guess, if you're a Jets fan, but uh, it's been it's been a roller coaster so far. Well, the game was bananas. I mean, right yeah. from the first period. I mean, Kirill Kaprizov's chicken wing uh, to Logan Stanley's head. A couple beautiful goals by Kyle Connor. Uh, and I mean, honestly, to go through all the ups and downs, I mean, I think you nailed it very well. That was a roller coaster of a hockey game. Unfortunately for the Winnipeg Jets, it ended up right at the bottom at the yeah. end of the ride. Um, which was uh, which was not fun for all involved. Um, you know, we could talk about the power play right off the bat. I, I guess let's first off talk about the way the team looked going in. Um, you know, we yeah. talked yesterday on the program about the curious decision to go with 11 forwards, to put Cole Perfetti in the press box, to bring Nathan Beaulieu into the lineup. What do you think Coach was looking to do with that, and did it play out in last night's game from your perspective, Scott? I, I don't have any idea. <laughs> like I look at it, I'm like, you know, you look at it last night, I think Nathan Bull, you played like four minutes, I think, in the end of the game. It's like, I, I'm guessing he was trying to shore up the power of the penalty kill. I mean, that that would be, um, you know, if, if that was the case that failed miserably for the Jets. I mean, they were, what, three for five on the, you know, or, uh, Minnesota was three for five on the power play in the game. Uh, you know, uh, just, just brutal. And, and I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I know there, there's, there's this big debate whether Cole Prevetti should play or not, or or whether or not he should, um, you know, if, if they should put him on the third line, does he is he going to develop there or whatever? But I mean, it has to be better than whatever happened last night, uh, and and I just don't I don't see the the reason to do that. Um, I, I'm unsure of the actual reason why Paul Maurice did it, and no, it didn't work out. I mean, I mean, I. I the, the the prime example was I don't know if it was Erickson Ack no it was Kaprizov Kirill Kaprizov I believe it was in the first period right before Kyle Connor's first goal actually um, I mean completely undresses Nathan Bolu standing still I mean Kaprizov just like just destroyed him <laughs> and it was hilarious because Nathan Bolu I don't even think he had any idea what hit him and, and there's nothing against Nathan Bolu just it, it's not you know that wasn't I don't think the game from him whether the Jets wanted to be heavier or whatever I mean he's he's only playing 4 minutes and it's just not enough and 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 if so if you're not going to use him why not put Perfetti in the lineup and play him on the third line or or whatever I mean we, we've watched Christian Veselainen and and I don't believe he's shown enough to, to for him to be even be on that third line so I I'm not entirely sure what they were thinking last night um you know it, it obviously looks worse at this point because of the fact that they lost um, but I still don't think it was the right decision, even if they won. So, uh, you know, obviously they were up 5-3. They should have put that game away. Um, you know, a bad break on the offside on, on Shifley's empty netter that would have sealed the game. Um, but, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the idea of that move was other than to potentially have, a you know, a, a bigger body on the back end that they could roll through. But, I don't think they need to do that. I think Logan Stanley's played fine so far this season. It hasn't been incredible, but at the same time, you're only going to play a guy four minutes. Why put him in the lineup? And and 
at least on the back end. And so, yeah, I, I, I didn't like it, but it is what it is. You know, I, I mean, I guess we'll get back to more from last night's game, but yeah. going into tomorrow, and I and I understand, and this is probably above either of our pay grades right now with some right. of the cap challenges and the implications with Wheeler being hurt and still being on the roster and all that. Um, but with the team coming back, how different do you think the lineup might look and the roster might look tomorrow for the home opener than we saw last night in the Twin Cities? I, I I don't think they play seven defensemen, so I, I assume that that changes. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, with Blake Wheeler out, obviously, I mean, he's going to miss tomorrow's game and he's going to miss um, Saturday's game and he's going to miss, you know, probably a game or two next week as well in, in terms of just having to satisfy his isolation requirement. Um, but I don't think they break up the top line. I think the top line looked great last night. I mean, they combined for eight points in the game. It was a good, a good game from from that top line. I thought that line looked like, okay, well now it opens the door with Blake Wheeler comes back that he doesn't have to play on that top line. We'll see how it goes. Um, you know, there's talk about okay, well put Ivani Sveshnikov up further up the lineup. Problem is like there, there's that space on the left wing now because you know you could move Paul Stasny off the second line. Maybe put a Sveshnikov there, but he doesn't play left wing, and and maybe you could move Ehlers over, but he also doesn't play left wing. Like they, both those guys kind of prefer the right side, so it'll be interesting to see what lines look like tomorrow. I mean, Jets are off today, um, day off their 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 CBA mandated day off, so it'll be interesting to see what the lines look like in the morning. I, I, I don't know how much it's going to change, other than the fact that they're probably going to bring in, uh, you know, maybe Perfetti goes down, they bring in a Tonnado. Maybe they bring up Gustafson. Like, at what point, you know, this power play or penalty kill, sorry, is, is so porous right now that they need to do something with it to shore it up. And, you know, I, I've we've advocated for David Gustafson for a while now because he's the guy that can do it and play, a, you know, a solid game on the fourth line. So it'll be interesting to see um, who they call up if they do um, or if Cole Perfetti goes back in the lineup. The thing with Cole Perfetti is, Maybe he hasn't wowed you in terms of point scoring or anything like that, but he's made such small little, you know, good plays in, in tight spaces. It's the smart play, and maybe the Jets needed a couple more of those last night. The Shifley giveaway uh, on, on – I wasn't the Eric's neck goal. It was uh, – oh, it might have been the Eric's neck. It was either that or, or the 5-4 goal. And, and he – you know, it was just it – was, it was a lazy play, and, and they needed to clear the puck at that point. Um, and, and the Jets have been poor – at that too, again, I, I don't know. I mean, that that was sort of their strength in game one. Uh, they were able to move the puck out of the way and, and that, and they just ended up losing that game anyways. But that was more penalty kill related than anything. Um, I think last night that, that kind of problem kind of crept back in where clearing pucks was an issue again. And, and that's a trend, right? I mean, you know, we're not going to look at two games or maybe one and a half games where they were they were marginally better at it. I, you know, I think you have to kind of look at the fact that that these things are still issues that have carried over from last season and maybe even the season before that. And yeah, I don't know where, which we're going to get into here in terms of that, but I mean, there's been some bad trends and there's been some better ones too. The Jets have improved. Paul Maurice last night after the game said there's been some areas the Jets have improved, and that is true. Uh, you know, their transition game is better. Their breakouts are better. Um, they're not getting hemmed in as much as they used to, although last night was a little different. But but they kind of caved in that third period. I think the shots were 18 to 5 for, for, for Minnesota. Um, you know, the Jets obviously scored on two of theirs in the period, but it, it, it wasn't enough. There was no killer instinct really there um, when things got better. And then, you know, it's almost like that offside goal 
kind of deflated them and then the Eric's neck ties it up and then they score in overtime. Well, let's talk pretty, about that. Let's yeah. talk about that final three minutes. I mean, first off the offside play <laughs> yeah. and you could tell how choked Maurice was afterwards mm-hmm. um, and justifiably so because Kyle right. Connor did so many great things in that game last night and yet uh, a mental lapse, careless, whatever you want to call it, just no attention to detail, a very simple play that should have never right, happened. Right. It takes a goal off the board, and then all of a sudden you know you're up against it. Now, I mentioned this. I don't know if you heard her off the top of the show. I was watching the game with a couple buddies, mm-hmm. and, I mean, there's this long break. So, I mean, everyone obviously was rested because of the amount of time. You can play whoever you want. Yeah. And who's rolling out there protecting a one-goal lead with a minute left? It's <laughs> Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor. Yeah. Scott, the coaches talked so often about roles. So, you know, this guy's on the club because he does a penalty killing role. He's good defensively. He's got those things. You, I, I don't know. Am I missing something here? A minute left protecting a one goal lead. You're, you're yeah. putting the guys whose role is out there is to shut other teams down. When I look at the Winnipeg Jets and I think of shutting other teams down, no yeah. disrespect to Shifley and Connor because they did a lot of great things last night. They're not near the top of the list. What do you make of that decision? And like, where was Adam Lowry? Where were some of the guys that that is, like, yeah. what their resume is? It's not scoring the OT winner. It's helping your team win when you don't need to score. You need to keep the other team off the board. Yeah, if I could do the shoulder shrug emoji, you know, like, I mean, that's kind of what I Because we don't know. I mean, we we question this often, right? Like, why aren't the best guys? Like, you're, like your two top penalty killers on this team are Adam Lowry and, and, and Andrew Kopp. So those are the guys that you trust in a situation where you're disadvantaged, whether it's an, you know, an empty net or, or a, you know, even protecting a lead or on the penalty kill. So why aren't those guys on the ice when it matters the most? And I don't have a good answer for you. And, and it's one of the things that Maurice, but you know, the reason why we're talking about this is because this is again, another trend where Maurice always goes back to, and I shouldn't say always, but it most often he goes back to Shifley or Wheeler or, or, or Connor, uh, you know, to, to, to do that. And it, I, there's a trust there. I get it. I get there's a trust there between Maurice and those three. He loves to go back to them. They, they started the season as a line together again, even though we know that Blake Wheeler has lost a step and, and it's just not going to work, you know, for, for, you know, the foreseeable future, it's just not going to work, but, I don't get it. And that's part of the problem. And and I don't think a lot of people get, I don't think anybody who's watching this really understands it either, other than the fact that he trusts those guys. And I, I think that's the only thing, but at some point, you know, it is right. And where is Lowry? Where is cop? And then that situation, those are the guys that you need. I would put Riley Nash even there because it's not about anything more than preserving the lead that you have. And then hopefully, you know, at, at some point when you're going down the ice or you get the puck out, you can pot an empty netter. And I don't think that's an issue either for Lowry and Cop either. But at the same time, that's less of the issue here. The, the biggest issue is protecting and preserving a 5-4 lead. And the Jets weren't able to do that last night. And, 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 and like you said, when they went back out after all that, they put those guys back out and it just didn't work. And, and you know, it, it makes it look bad, worse because they lost in overtime. I think if they won in overtime, you might not be questioning a lot. But this is a team that started the season now winless. And we talked about this team being a Stanley Cup contender. Well, for Jeez, sure. But, I mean, like listen, them, right? I said that before the puck went in the net. I mean, this wasn't like, you know, yeah. Monday morning quarterback and going, oh, man, what a dumb idea that was. It was yeah. literally, I'm like, I can't believe these guys are going back out in this yeah. situation. It just didn't make 
Uh, well, as I said, it just didn't seem to be a logical choice. And, nope. you know, that that's why I bring it up. But back to Gustafson for a minute. And I know Ken talked about this last night. And yep. we've had a number of conversations, you know, going into camp. I mean, the things that he did that made him the Moose MVP last year, uh, the, the things that the reason why they picked him, what they've been grooming him to do are playing in that bottom six, be elite in the face-off circle, be a very dependable defensive player that can chip in when needed or when the opportunity arises. I mean, to me, it, like watching that game last night and kind of the first three games, it now makes it more and more strange to me the way he was handled through training camp because I, I would know. say of all the players that came in, if you want to talk about a guy that maybe either he did something that we didn't notice or just simply didn't get a legitimate shot to make the team – was David Gustafson. I mean, yep. he was always playing on that fifth line, even after they'd done the, done the camp down. And, you know, Scott, you look at the game last night and we're having these conversations about how they weren't able to hold a lead, the issues penalty killing. I mean, to be all of it, and I'm not saying he's the answer for all of it, but if the guys that are in the in on the team right now don't have the trust of the coach to be putting out there, maybe it's time to, you know, consider giving a couple other guys, namely David yeah. Gustafson, a shot in the lineup and an opportunity to do some of these things that the team hasn't done very well in the first three. Yeah, and the David Gustafson argument goes back to last season when they could have certainly used a guy who could kill penalties again and, and a guy, like you said, you know, who, who, who's dependable in those situations. And I, yeah, we, it was a big surprise in training camp when we, we the first day you watch and David Gustafson isn't on the fourth line. And it was like, you know, what's going on? Like, did something happen? Here's a guy who came in, looked good. Um, you know, everything in in, in the in in, in the uh, in the rookie camp, uh, the prospect camp before that. You know, he looked fine out there. And so I don't I, I don't know what happened. I mean, nothing. There wasn't anything obvious. There was this wasn't a Sammy Niku issue. You know, that we saw nothing nothing that we at least saw, and, and it just wasn't there. And then they're like, okay, well, we want him to go play 20 minutes a night in the HL. Well, why? I mean, he's been doing that now. And 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 he's shown exactly what he can do, and and they wanted him to play that role, that that fourth line role, and you know, he obviously plays you know a top line in, in, with the Moose, but he still plays that defensive style of game. So I, I don't understand why he's not in the lineup. I, I just don't get it. And and, and when you, when you look at Christian Vesline, he did nothing to earn a spot out of training camp. So why isn't Gustafson in there, giving your guys a better opportunity? Like you said, on on all sorts of different things in terms of you know the penalty kill, in terms of late in the game when you just need a dependable guy. Again, I think it comes down to trust. And Maurice is, you know, we've seen this over over the years. It's, it's there's this lack of trust in younger players to go out and do what he thinks they need to do. But the problem is, like, I mean, I don't know how he hasn't lost trust in guys like like you know Shifley and Connor and Wheeler late in the game when you know, it's cost them points. And, and uh, yeah, it's it's again, it's one of those questions that'll probably come up tomorrow you know once Maurice and, and the Jets are back is as to you know you're winless now in three games it's not working on the penalty kill it's not working defensively at times uh you know w- when it matters so where are the changes and when are they coming and and I think tomorrow's practice will be or tomorrow's yeah tomorrow's morning skate I guess will be kind of telling on in terms of what Maurice plans on doing but uh yeah, right now it, it's it's obviously not working. Even though this Jets team looks pretty talented, and yeah, just, yeah and not, did a lot of things happy. well. And and you know yeah. that's why last night was so um, was such a harsh dose of reality for fans right. at the end of the game because you really did see some of the things that the Winnipeg Jets do at a very high level. I mean, I yeah. thought the you know we talked about the first line, and certainly here there's been 
plenty. Like Andrew Kopp's been a bit of a lightning rod for whatever reason. I have no idea why the guy comes off a career season, only gets a one-year deal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the finish he had on his goal was phenomenal, but he really did fit in well. I mean, there was no big drop-off on that line. Some would say no, they looked as good as they have all year with Andrew Kopp in that situation. And we sometimes get obsessed with this guy's better than this guy, so he should be on the top line. It's not always like that. I mean, you look at good teams. Hell, look at Tampa, the way they've been put together. Yeah. I mean, they've had guys play second, even third line roles as well as getting involved in the power play. So it's not necessarily about stacking your top line. Hey, if you're down a couple goals, sure, go for it. But, I mean, it, you know, there's a number of different ways to put it together. So I like the way that line looked. And I'll tell you one other thing that actually has been a positive, and I'll get your thoughts on it, because coming into the season, it was maybe the biggest question mark when we yeah. looked at the top at the, uh, the top of the Jets lineup is what were they going to get from Pierre-Luc Dubois? I mean, they gave up a lot to get this guy at a very up-and-down first half season or whatever we want to call it with Winnipeg. They need this guy to be better. And, you know, I'm not sure he's put together the full 60 minutes that everyone has liked as of yet, but, man, he's shown well, especially early in games so far this season. And uh, I thought he was a beast uh, at times last night. Yeah, very good last night. Uh, I think he's been good. For, for all three games, really. You know, he has shown net front presence on his first goal of the season where he's just kind of sitting there. Nobody's really moving him, right? He's the immovable object, and he's just sitting there, and then he backhands one in. And then, obviously, his goal last night where he kind of uses a screen, goes cross-body on Talbot and, and pots on that one. He's got two goals to start the year. I mean, you know, if, whatever people if, if people wanted more from him, I'm not sure. He's got the production there. He's worked well, and, and you know, it's a little different. I mean, now his line has changed again, right? Because... Wheeler's out with COVID, and and so they would bring Stasny up there. I'm not sure Stasny is the guy for Dubois and Ehlers, right? Like, there's just, you know, if you're looking at the, at, the, at the speed kind of curve, well, Stasny's at the bottom here, and then it goes to Dubois, and then Ehlers is obviously the fastest guy on the team and one of the fastest guys in the league. And and so I'm not sure that works, but Dubois and Ehlers have shown very well together. I, I think those two really play off each other. I think, you know, Dubois learned how to play with, you know, a European-style guy back in juniors. But with Sveshnikov, it would be interesting to put Sveshnikov there, but I don't know. Again, I don't see that happening. But what about Jansen Harkins? And, um, you know, uh, these guys, this is one of the biggest questions, too. It was like you said, we went through all of this rigmarole during training camp. They put certain guys together, Jansen Harkins, Sveshnikov together. They played very well. We haven't seen that this season. Like, you know, what, what's happening with that? Um, there's a lot of questions there with that. But, yeah, you know, to go back to Dubois, I think he's been great. Um, you know, he's played very well, and I think people are starting to see he's playing physical. He's going after, you know, Kaprizov last night. I mean, he was right in the mix with some of that stuff. I mean, not backing down from anything. I wouldn't expect any less from Dubois. He's a big boy that likes that type of game. Um, you know, I, there's a little issues with some timing, but it, it's not that far off. And I think he's being close to that player that everybody kind of expected. And and so we'll see. But, yeah, again, I think it's just, you know, now with Wheeler out, you've got to find a way to find and make these lines work because, yeah, it's just not it's not working. And, and yeah, but, you know, DeBoz has been great. And, um, yeah, the Jets don't need more necessarily from him, they, they, but they do need – Especially a lot more, I think, from the bottom six, and it's just it hasn't it hasn't come together yet. Yeah, well, and, and I think we all agree that they like to get more from Nikolai Ehlers, and you know, I I, right. I thought Ehlers was incredibly dangerous in Game One. Um, yeah. You know, like many of the Winnipeg Jets, sort of on and off in the San Jose game, and 
you know, last night he wasn't standing out as much as the guys on that top line were. But I guess, Scott, the one thing that I did think that maybe this was the thinking of the coach when it came to the 11 forwards, that you were really going to rely on nine or 10 guys, and maybe it gives you an opportunity to get Ehlers out with some other players, some different looks, some more opportunities to generate things because he has been pretty consistently dangerous when he's on the ice regardless of who he's out there with. But that wasn't really the case, and maybe part of it was the score in the game. Certainly, you don't need to try a bunch of new things when you're up 5-3, but then that gets back to... What's the number one job to do? Hold the lead down, stay out of the penalty box. And unfortunately, neither of those things were uh, able to uh, come to fruition in the second yeah. half of the third period. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think Ehlers is, has played well. I, I don't think that he's um, doing anything different than he would normally do. And he's buzzing on, on, on the power play. But the problem is, you know, they haven't given that unit a whole lot of time, even though they're the ones that, that broke the goose egg last night uh, with, with, with Morsi's goal there to start. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. And, and it goes back to your last point on, you know, should Nikolai Ehlers play on the top line and all that? And it's always about fit, right? And I think right now the fit is with Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I think right now they found a nice fit with Kopp on the top line. So we'll see. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, I hate trying to, like, infer too much from three games. But last night was, like, the first game where the Jets played really well, I thought, to start the game. You know, that they had that 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 going. They were playing with passing. It was nice and crisp. Everything was good. Um, you know, they get those two early goals from, you know, Kyle, Kyle Connors on, on a hat-trick eight minutes into the game. And, and, you know, they kept it going. They stayed with it. You know, Minnesota came back, but the Jets found the way to get ahead again. 3-2, then they go up 4-3, 5-3. And then they just kind of like, I don't know, mentally or whatever it was, they, they just kind of lost it. And uh, that's that's more of the concern. For, we, we've talked about this team being more mature, and this is a team that can compete for a Stanley Cup. Not yet. You know, not yet. Not until, you know, they they, they figure out how to win because you know, Minnesota looked the hungrier team in, in the third period, and the Jets weren't able to deal with it very well um, after it went up 5-3. I mean, you look at the last – so the Jets played 55 minutes last night, you know, and then in the last five, they, they kind of lost it. And and so, yeah, that's just not, it's not, it's not enough. And I don't know if we want to talk about Connor Hellebuck at all. I, I don't think he's been bad. I don't think it's been on Connor Hellebuck. There's a lot of fluke goals last night. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, it, it's going to come down to this team. I, I think once they get a win, it, it'll start moving. Um, but right now, I think they're kind of down a little bit in the dumps here because the first two games weren't good. And then, their best effort of the season last night didn't produce a victory. And and that's, you know, they, they've said all the right things after the game last night, I thought. But it's one of those things where, you know, it's not about what you said. It's about what you need to do. And the Jets need to go and show they can actually win a game first. Yeah, I mean, you know, we heard from Scheif and, uh, and Connor after the game. And, you know, they were really stars of the game. But were also central figures in, in you know, lot. what happened at the end of the game. So you sort yeah. of had the good and the bad. I think it was good that they were out there talking about it. And, you know, what else are they going to say? They're going to focus on the positives because there are some number of positive things. And, you know, what, you can do that three games into the season. I know yeah. sometimes that gets old when you're, you know, eight points out of a playoff spot and you're really in a sense of urgency, but I think there should be a sense of urgency for this team going into these yeah. two games at home. I'll tell you what, I mean, if we're talking about a team that's two, two and one heading to California on Monday, um, you know, I think that, you know, much of what has gone through, like sometimes you have to have unfortunate experiences 
to learn yeah. from them. And, you know, there's absolutely the possibility that these sort of struggles will make the team better. This is not the first time we've seen a Winnipeg Jet team under Paul Maurice struggle, struggle mightily, especially on special teams early in the season, and then get it back to a, you know, a legitimate operation right. later on in the season. And that certainly is what I think everyone hopes we'll see. But, you know, from that perspective, I mean, sure, there was some positives, but again, they got to get some wins. They got to get back into this right yep. now. And, you know, it's still very tight. But as I said, you know, a good performance last night, get things on the right track at home. Um, and, you know, we'll maybe laugh about the first week of the season and how it didn't start great because it's funny, the 17-18 season started in somewhat similar fashion. It but did. let's be real. There's a long way to go before we're talking about this team in that 17-18. Yep. And it starts with winning one game and then getting on a bit of a roll. So, I, I, you know, playing Anaheim tomorrow in the in the home opener is a bit interesting because, of course, they just played these guys last week. You know? And, you know, you yeah. learn some of it. Um, Anaheim's been relatively good. John Gibson's been brilliant. Um, he's basically won two games almost single-handedly for him. Yep. So, um, you know, in some ways, it's a very interesting matchup going in, but it has very little to do with the visitors, to be honest with you, Scott, as much as there's a bit of familiarity and they'll mm-hmm. play again next week in California. It's what we'll see from this Winnipeg Jets team that, you know, if you told me that we'd be talking about a game the way it happened uh, after 11 forwards were dressed and seven defensemen and Nate Beaulieu, I mean, that, that this team without <laughs> massive injuries outside of a huge hole with Blake Wheeler being out of the lineup would be in this situation. I would have said, well, how the heck did that happen? And yet that's what we're talking about today going into tomorrow's home opener. Yeah, and it's a weird storyline because you think that going into the season, Jets had a favorable schedule to start the year. You could beat up on two teams that were in a rebuild and, and then you could have your first kind of, you know, central division matchup against a team that, 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 that looks pretty good, you know, in, in the wild. And, you know, the Jets showed up against a wild, but they didn't really show up in the first two games. And that, that was part of the issue. And so, yeah, we're talking about an O two and one team right now, instead of maybe a team that could have been two and one or two Oh and one at this point. Um, I think tomorrow, you know, you got to feed off of the crowd. I think the crowd is going to be raucous like, tomorrow night. I, I think it's going to be an incredible, atmosphere inside that place the first regular season game since i believe it was the arizona game on uh, march 9th 2020 um that's the first regular season game with with a full you know likely a packed you know uh, canada life center tomorrow and and so uh, you know tomorrow you gonna and, and that that's the spring part tomorrow i mean use that they've talked about this well the fans great to have the fans back we like it even when we're away and all that stuff well great you know come out and show it then tomorrow um, and then again on Saturday against Nashville. And, you know, I think that's it. You you know, you, you need to win these two games because you can't go into that road trip 0-4-1 or whatever it might be. Um, you need to beat Anaheim. I mean, you need to beat up on these teams, you know, good teams. And I, I know Tampa's off to a bad start this season too. Well, not a bad start, but they've, they've been shaky too. But they've managed to win the games even though they have been shaky. Um, you know, so good teams find a way to win games and the Jets haven't done that yet. So, yeah, tomorrow is, you know, I didn't think we'd be talking about, you know, the home opener as being this big test for the team. Um, but it is. I mean, you got to come back out, find a way to solve John Gibson um, and then go from there. And, you know, here's an, a Ducks team that's playing just they don't care. Right. The Ducks know that they're not supposed to be up on, you know, in, in the standings this year. And right now they are. I mean, they're playing well. And they got Jamie Drysdale. And I think Mason McTavish is injured now, but he's been playing well. And, you know, the team's just kind of playing well with, 
with a bunch of young guys. I mean, the Jets are the ones that have the pressure right now, and and they need to go and and, and show that they can handle that pressure, um, and 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 fix some of the mistakes that that have really cost them so far, uh, and 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 do that in front of their home crowd, and that'll be. The biggest test for them starting tomorrow night. No doubt. Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Suns with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Here's an interesting question from Rob Somerville uh, for us as well as people in the chat. Will the Jets leave Cop on the top line if he continues to get points at a decent place, or is he relegated back when Wheeler returns? I'll, I'll just quickly say on that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think if things go very well and Andrew Cop, you know, clicks with those guys, um, you know, I don't think that there'll be any rush to, to move him off that line. I mean, a lot of people just say that, oh, you know, it's Blake Wheeler. Is, that's his spot. And it'll always be really? that spot that I, I don't buy that. Um, he's done a lot of great things. Paul Maurice trusts that group and he obviously goes back to it. But like this isn't this is not just, hey, the guy's got a neck and he'll be back in the lineup in a week. I mean, he's positive for COVID. COVID. He's symptomatic. We don't know how extreme it is. Certainly, we hope that it's minimal. But 10 yeah. day quarantine off the yeah. ice, you know, coming back in, you know, it might be time to get wind. I mean, this could be longer even than a couple weeks. Um, yep. So, I mean, I think it's incumbent on Andrew Kopp in particular to make the most of this opportunity and earn that trust from Paul Maurice. And I think that would put the Jets, I know there's been a lot of talk about Wheeler's usage. He can still be an effective player, an important player for the Winnipeg Jets. But if you have that group with Cop up front, I think it really does give Maurice some options to for have sure. some different looks that yeah. you know might make the team better. And listen, Wheeler's got it. He's not playing for a contract. It's not about points. It's about winning games right now. And and I believe that he buys into that. I think the coach, you know, despite some of the decisions, might indicate too much trust in a particular player or not. Yeah. I, I really do think that you know they will be more than happy with that. Are you sort of on the same page? Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, this is all incumbent on what Maurice plans to do, right? I mean, and that's the biggest thing for, for this whole thing is does Maurice want to put him back on the top line? But I think if Cop, like you said, if Cop takes the reins and runs with them, he, he, that's his spot then. Let him, let him, let it go. Like, you know, like <laughs> this is the biggest thing. Like if I was, you know, have any advice for Maurice, and I'm not a coach with 26 years in the NHL. I mean, I get it, like, but but you have to kind of go with what's working at some point, and and I don't think the Wheeler top line worked very well through well the first two games, and and, and so yeah, Cop goes there, but it does create that kind of positive cascading effect on the lineup where potentially you could put Wheeler on that third line with Adam Lowry and Paul Stasny, and kind of a different type of line that that would add a little element of of offense there too. And then you could put Sveshikov and Harkins on the fourth line and maybe play Nash in the middle or Gustafson or whoever. But it kind of saves you from that because I think Cole Perfetti is eventually going down. They're not going to burn a year if they don't want to play him on the third line and he's out of the lineup if there's no room for him on the third line. Well, then, yeah, so he's going down. So, you know, I think there is. An, and there's a way that you can keep Dubois and you can keep um, uh, you can keep him and, and Ehlers together and, and, and that sort of things, so let that continue to kind of create and blossom there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it does. I think it does create a good problem for Paul Maurice. The problem is he's got to solve it with the right answer and, and the right answer, historically speaking, has always been um, Wheeler back to the top line, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, old faithful there. And I, I think, but, you know, this is, like you said, the opportunity for Andrew Kopp to make it so, essentially force Maurice's hand, force him to make the decision against 
you know, what it, uh, maybe is his inkling or is, you know, what, what, what he thinks should be the, you know, is, is ideal top line. If Andrew Kopp playing on his offside is going to put up three points a game or, you know, you know, work as well as he did last night, it just seems seamless for him to be on that top line. Let him run with it. I mean, yeah, he might price himself out of a contract here if, if that's what he so chooses, but, you know, it, it's going to work. Maybe it, it works in his favor and the team's favor too. I mean, Andrew Kopp on the top line with that finish, with his ability to make that neutral zone play, to get it to Connor on his first goal. I mean, those are the types of plays that this first line needs going forward. And, and they don't need a guy when they need a guy that can keep up. And, and, and Andrew Kopp kept up just fine last night. Um, so, yeah, I think that is to Rob's question, to his answer. I think, yes, that is where it needs to be if it stays as well as it looked last night. And I think this is the biggest thing going forward, you know, when it comes time for Blake Wheeler to return, and we don't know when that'll be, um, is, you know, does Maurice see it the same way as, you know, pretty much everybody else? And well, I think that's it, it, listen, and, and I mean, it's one game, right? I mean, they could right. have a yeah, poor game tomorrow. But I mean, if, if this sort of, and again, they're not going to get three points every single game. But no. here's the first thing, if they win, I mean, if they're not winning, they'll look to do other things. But if they are winning, he's contributing it gives them some other options. And while, yep. you know, if things aren't going well, he always knows that he can stick Wheeler with Shifley and, you know, they kind of know what yeah. you're going to expect. But I, I really do think that this in some ways is an opportunity for the coaching staff to see a few different things because, you know, even though they may have started the season the way things looked and we know, yeah, it's Shifley, Connor, Wheeler. Um, I, you know, I don't subscribe to the fact that that's etched in stone for 82 games in every single playoff game because, you know, things change. And Blake Wheeler's role eventually is going to change with this hockey club. Yeah. Um, you know, it won't be leaned on the way he has been over the better part of his entire career when he's been a workhorse and a mainstay in the top line for the Winnipeg Jets. So yeah. so it, it is all of that will sort of develop over the course of the next couple of weeks. And first things first, we just hope Blake Wheeler, you know, is feeling okay, gets 100%. back and can be yeah. a part of the mix. There was a number of questions about, I'm not sure I maybe caught what didn't catch what they had said on the broadcast last night, Scott, but um, just clarify Wheeler's situation. Um, symptomatic and COVID yeah. positive. That's why he's got the 10 day quarantine in right. Minnesota. Um, and that, so yeah. what has to happen first and foremost, hopefully he's feeling okay and he can get back 100%. on that, but have to have a negative test to come back here and then rejoin the team at that point. Correct. So it, it's interesting because the Jets will actually be, so when Blake Wheeler gets out of quarantine, it actually started on Monday. And I confirmed this with the team because he was symptomatic on Monday and that's why he was in protocol on Monday and missed that practice. So his quarantine started on Monday and I believe 10 days from that is next Wednesday. So that puts him on the road with the Jets on a on a on an off day or a practice day in between the Anaheim and LA game. I believe that's the uh that's what it yeah, the Anaheim and LA game, just looking at the schedule now. So, you know, at the very you know, best case scenario, he could return to the lineup next Thursday against Los Angeles. I don't see that happening. I mean, he's got to get out of that. He also has to do so after you come out of it, part of the rules is after you come out of a COVID infection, a symptomatic COVID infection, even and, and when you're fully vaccinated, they have to do uh, cardi, uh, cardiac uh, tests on you. So an ECG, an EKG, um, there's one other one, and then he has to be cleared by uh, a medical, you know, like a cardiac uh, a medical professional. Um, so all that stuff's going to take time. I mean, Blake Wheeler could have a couple days of symptoms. He could be fine after, you know, you know, three or four days into his quarantine. Still has to remain that way. 
Um, and then, yes, if he's come home, so it'd be interesting. If he's not going to play on that Thursday, I would suspect that the Jets allow him to come home, see his family. I mean, he's been gone. He's going to be in 10 days. I mean, you got to think of the human here, too. Um, it's more than just, you know, the guy. I mean, he's this is going to be, if he's symptomatic, we don't know. But, you know, I've heard enough from people covering COVID as I did. It can be hell at times going through an infection. And obviously he's fully vaccinated. So you hope it's a milder case and, and all of that. I mean, that's kind of what part of the vaccine does is, you know, reduce some of the symptoms, you know, that sort of stuff. Make sure it doesn't turn into a severe case. The other big thing you have to wonder and why they do the EKG and all the cardiac stuff is myocarditis is a thing that can happen after a COVID infection. We know how much that affects certain guys. Um, uh, Alex Stalock in Edmonton missing a full year of that. We saw it even here, and it wasn't a COVID-related, but Mark Letest, who had myocarditis as well, he basically missed a full season because of that. Um, so that's one of the things that they have to make sure. And then we have to make sure it's just not a long-haul case where it be turn, becomes a problem with Wheeler trying to just get back into shape, catching his breath even, you know, stuff like that. So there's a lot of variables there that, that come into it. Um, but if everything goes well, he's a healthy guy, you know, hope that plays into his into his hand as well dealing with this, yeah, he'll be out of quarantine next Wednesday. And then they have to kind of decide, you know, he will have to obviously get a PCR test going into the, and coming back into the country. That's just a federal regulation that he has to do. Um, but he could end up joining the team on that road trip too. Um, they play next Saturday, I believe in San Jose, just looking at the schedule. So, you know, potentially if everything goes well and he can maybe use a gym wherever he is, I'm not sure exactly where he's, quarantining right now whether it's you know at a family home in in the area or if he's just at a hotel um so you know he wouldn't be allowed to leave his room at a hotel but at a you know a family sort of place he might have access or could have gym equipment dropped off i'm sure the jets are dealing with that as well to make sure he can do some sort of workout so he's not just playing there he might be flat on his ass for two weeks I mean, that's, that's, right. the, thing. that's the I mean, thing. that's like, best case scenario we're talking about, but you well know, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of people that that's not even an option when they're dealing with no. this. No, of course not. I mean, that that's it, right? There's so many variables and we're not going to know. This is, again, this comes into the private health realm, right? We're not going to really know until Blake Wheeler tells us how his, how his you know, it, it, infection went, how the, how his case of COVID went. Um, and, and then we'll see after that. So right now we're just waiting. I mean, right now, Blake Wheeler is having whatever type of reaction to this virus in, in, in somewhere in Minnesota right now. And, and that's all he can do. I mean, that's all you can do is, you know, quarantine. It's part of the way things are. It would be like any of us that got it. Um, we would be doing the exact same thing. So yeah, it, it's not ideal for Wheeler. And I think it sets him back a little bit more than, you know, I, I don't think next Thursday is, is realistic at all, even though you'll be out of quarantine. No, that's okay. best case scenario. That that I mean Sorry, that's the, best case scenario, but I don't oh, think it's sure. realistic to to think no. that. And, and and here's here's the way I look at it right now for the Winnipeg Jets. They're going to be without an important player for a while, but with yep. that comes opportunity for other guys. And I said last Indeed. night going in, I didn't really mention Kyle Connor, but I'm like I'm looking at three guys: Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, Connor Hellebuck to be the stars that carry the Winnipeg Jets. We saw yeah. Andrew Kopp step up last night. Pierre Luc Dubois had a strong game. These are the guys that are going to be counting on because listen, we're all guilty of we spend a million time minutes talking about the makeup of the fourth line and who's on Adam Lowry's ring and yeah. you know what listen they're all fun topics and those are the things that are interesting and they change 
but let's face it. I mean, the Jets have had a rough start. Who are going to be the ones that pick them up? It's the yeah. guys making the big paychecks that they do yeah. need to lean on. And But at the same time, for guys like Cop, for, you know, Paul Stastny right now with Ehlers, I mean, that could change. You know, guys that, you know, might not normally given the opportunity to play with some of these guys are going to get that chance. And, you know, for them... Their job is to succeed in those roles and give Paul Maurice a real challenge as to you know what we do with Blake Weaver when he comes back because you don't want to mess up something good. And Maurice is known. I mean, if there's one thing we can sort of count on, if things are clicking, he's not changing it. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. You know, there's so much opportunity right now for guys to cement themselves in different spots than they are right now, whether it's Andrew Kopp on the top line, whether it's Kyle Connor just – taking the reins like he did last night in the first period and, and, and look like a real driver on that first line, you know, making things happen or whether it's just down the lineup, right. Where, where, you know, a fourth line guy becomes a permanent third line guy because he, he grabs that and goes with it. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that is, it, it's their, their, their stars need to be stars and they need to shine a little brighter. You know, I think that's the biggest thing that comes out of this is that, yeah, Blake Wheeler's not there, but there's a lot of people who already think that Blake Wheeler is kind of, shouldn't be where he is. Okay. So, you know, somebody in this team needs to prove that then to show that that's the case. And, you know, I can't make the lines for Paul Maurice, but the Andrew Cobb thing looked like it was a stroke of genius last night and it worked out well. So use that then use it, make it so that, you know, like you said, make it hard, make it impossible for his mind to change and then put Wheeler back there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's what these next two weeks probably at least we're looking at. Um, until Wheeler's, you know, maybe ready to come back. Um, this is a time for some guys to start showing that they can be not, uh, you know, uh, supporting actors, I suppose, but be, you know, the, in the primary role and, and and take that and go with it. And I thought last night we saw glimpses of that, um, but we also need the other end of the, you know, spectrum to be good too in terms of defensive play, penalty killing. All those things need to come together too on this team because they're costing this team games right now and so even if they do produce like they did last night um you can't be giving up six goals the other way and losing games well a big opportunity for them to get off the schneid tomorrow night the ducks are in yeah. town a home opener fans back in the building i know the jets have a lot planned for uh, people that are at the game tomorrow night so um i'm hoping we have a more upbeat chat room on friday and uh, <laughs> as i said you know if you win these games at home you get two and two and one and head back on the road you know, I think a lot can maybe be gained from a bit of a tough start, but you got to get out of it, and it's got to start tomorrow against the Anaheim yep. Ducks. Scott, this has been awesome. Uh, what do you have coming up in uh, you know tomorrow and Friday as uh, the Jets kind of begin their first homestand of the year in the Winnipeg Sun? Yeah, just uh, pretty much just covering. It. I mean, we weren't on the road for the first trip because of uh, you know just company issues and and COVID obviously playing a role. So it'd be nice to get back and just. You know, it, it, it's interesting, and fans don't see this, but we actually get to interact with the players this year a little bit more, which is cool because, you know, it's been, well, almost two years where you, we haven't really been able to do that. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think there's just, you know, some it, – yeah, it's going to be good. I, I'm just – I'm looking forward to, you know, covering this team, talking to players face-to-face, and that got a little bit of that in the preseason. It's nice to get back to that. And, and, and I'm really actually just more excited than anything – to see what the atmosphere is going to be like tomorrow night, because I just think it's been so long and this pandemic has been really hard on a lot of people. And I think tomorrow's I like the first bomber game and you were there, you remember it. Um, you know, how, you know, cool of a, you know, setting that was just to have all these people back again. And, you know, we're going to see that tomorrow inside Canada life center. And I think it's going to be loud, you know, playoff loud and, and that sort of thing. And like you said, the jets have a lot planned for tomorrow. 
I think it's going to be a cool night, a cool experience. And, and, you know, hopefully fans come away with that with a win that they can, you know, head out into the streets of downtown Winnipeg and, and, and be happy about because, you know, it's been, it's been a tough 18 months, 19 months now. And, and I think, you know, this homecoming for the Jets is, is a big deal for a lot of people. And after the start, even more so now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward just to what tomorrow night's like for, for a lot of people who you know, deserve something, you know, good to kind of happen and, in their lives and, and in the city just to get something good back into it, good feeling back into it. So. Amen to that. Hey, uh, before we go, were you at that media event on Monday? Did you try the jet dog burger and the new, uh, the tot dog? I was not. No, I was, oh, I was hoping for some so Intel. I like, no, I don't. So what is it? Have you, have you, have you heard it? So it's the jet dog, dog burger, burger, the jet dog burger is like two burgers and I guess they cut up the dog <laughs> and slice it. So it's sort of like two hot dogs and two Whoa. burgers on it. Sort of like a mini Walby burger. If you've seen that monstrosity, right, yeah. they've got over at IG field, but the, uh, and Remus has got it up if you're watching on YouTube right now. So that is the, that's the jet dog burger, but I'll tell you what really looks interesting is this Whoa. tot dog. Remus, do we have that one too? Cause it's essentially a hot dog covered <laughs> and fried meals, in some sort of potato um, it's sort of like it's it basically a hot dog inside of tater tots, and then it's got some jalapeno aioli or something like that on oh it, and uh, some cheese. That yeah. burger looks tremendous. I'm gonna, how, how much is that? It doesn't matter. I'm still gonna try it. So, <laughs> Check out, it'll know. beat the press meal. It'll beat the press meal. Head downtown, way, always <laughs> available. Yeah, here's there the hot dog a potato crust battered hot dog with cilantro, salsa, jalapeno aioli, sour cream, and shredded <laughs> cheese. That is one of the most intriguing. Look somewhat healthier than the first I've one. seen in a long time. So yeah, <laughs> sign, sign me up. Sign me up for that. <laughs> yeah, it looks a lot it's healthier. Tremendous. It's still a hot dog. With what? Yeah, yeah, but it looks healthier than that burger, which is just like meat, meat, fried meat, and more fried meat. <laughs> this is which is what, fine. This is I'm the, not complaining. A hot we'll dog. Ju- we'll jump on the sword for everyone. We'll try them and let you know how Cilantro's they are. Cilantro healthy, right? Game tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Cilantro's a vegetable. <laughs> Scott, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, anytime, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at Scott Billick, and, of course, read all of his Jets coverage in the pages of the Winnipeg Sun. Um, not Autocorp's got a lot going. Uh, just looking at some of the posts from the Winnipeg Car Lab, um, you know, putting on some absolutely unbelievable new rims on cars, doing wraps, custom paint jobs, and more. Um, if you're looking to trick out the ride or maybe add to it, Winnipeg Car Lab's the place. And, of course, it's all at Not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGilvery. If you're looking for a new ride, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see everything on the lot or talk to them about finding the car that you are looking for. Of course, they've got a great consignment program as well if you're looking to get out of a vehicle and into a new one. It's all there, Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, or online at not.ca. Well, Friday, uh, regulars here on Winnipeg Sportstock know how much fun we have doing our marble races on Friday. Of course, our friends at Canadian Club, the official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, have been so kind to give us... uh, some of the Canadian Club, those great I Love Rye packages. And now, of course, we've got the co-branded Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club hoodies. Next one will be given away tomorrow. But I'll give you a little bit of a heads up. Uh, sorry, Friday we'll be doing that going into the Bomber game. But tomorrow, um, we're going to figure out how we're going to do this afterwards. But we may have to do another marble race tomorrow or, or, or something else because 
we're going to have a pair of tickets for the home opener tomorrow that we will be able to give away and make one lucky Winnipeg Sports Talk listener go to the game in some great seats in the lower bowl for tomorrow's game. So make sure you're with us tomorrow. In the meantime, enjoy the great taste of Canadian Club Saturday night at IG Field or pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and grab some Canadian Club for your next cocktail. And of course, Nick and Nikki DQ keep on rolling four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's, serving up fantastic hamburgers, french fries, chicken fingers, and more. But the star of the show is always the ice cream, all those amazing blizzard flavors, and of course, ice cream, cakes, and more for your next event. If you want to order something in advance, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll have it ready for you at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. All right, we'll get to Cool Bet lines in a minute. Just a couple games tonight in the National Hockey League. Big slate tomorrow as the Jets are at home. Um, but Remo, how's the chat? Have people calmed down a little bit during our conversation with Scott? Covered a lot of ground about the Winnipeg Jets coming out of that bananas game last night that unfortunately ended with the Jets blowing a lead and dropping a 6-5 decision in OT. Yeah, it was a great game. Chat's been civil, had to throw a couple spammers uh, over the top rope. But for the most part, I've been pretty happy the way it's going. I think a lot of people, I think, frustrated with some of the uh, player usage that we've seen. I think people want Nikolai Ehlers to get more of a shot to play with some, you know, get some more minutes on that top power play. Um, I don't think the power play was the issue. They did score yesterday. I think the penalty kill and uh, defense has been problematic penalty kill most notably i think five on five they've actually been solid but i think you'd like to see you know svechnikov maybe get a couple more minutes i know veselainen hasn't wowed but he hasn't been on the ice for a goal against but he at five on five but he also hasn't been on the ice for a goal for so we thought this guy was a scorer and i think he's 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 not he's something else he's not that at, right the worst now thing for Vess yeah. was getting drafted right after line a and, you know, and being we finished. saw those highlights and shoots the other way. It's, oh, my God, we're going to have a line A on the other side, too. And that really hasn't materialized. And listen, Veselainen, I think, has a lot to play for in these next couple of games. I mean, Wheeler's out. I don't think he's going anywhere out of the lineup anytime soon. But you're right. Something's got to happen. And it, you can't be a liability to your team on the ice. And I think he's been pretty focused on making sure that hasn't been the case but they do need to start generating more offensively. And if that doesn't happen, there'll be other guys that'll be knocking on the door to get an opportunity. We spent a lot of time talking with David Gustafson and how he didn't seem to really get much of a shot in training camp. And the fact of the matter is what he brings to the table seems to sort of be what's been missing a little bit for the Winnipeg Jets. But it's going to be the, the guy like David Gustafson's not going to come, even if he plays, you know, great in a fourth line role and maybe gets some opportunities out to kind of help shut down you know, games or help the PK. Um, you know, you're going to need, you know, your top players to be out there. However, Remus, I still am a little puzzled with the decision to go right back to, to Shifley and Connor last night after that break, knowing that the team didn't need to score a goal. They just needed to keep it out of their own net uh, for the final minute 14 or whatever that was. Man, Shafley's among, I, I don't know where he ranks like the last couple of years at empty netters, but he's got a nose for the empty net, uh, Mark Mark Shafley. Uh, well, part of the Dom, reason is that they've always yeah. been out there when there's an empty net. Dom, and listen, yeah. there's some coaches that treat that sort of as a bit of a carrot. You know, you want to keep your top guys engaged. You want to keep their stats up or whatever, but... 
I mean, you cannot do that at the expense of putting out players that are going to give you a better chance to keep the puck out over your own net. If you're guaranteed an empty netter, well, the coaches will do that all the time. And they have done that quite well beforehand. Uh, but just considering the play that had just happened, the fact that other guys were rested and ready to go, that was a bit of a puzzling decision. And it'll be very interesting to see whether that continues. You know, if we're in the same situation on the weekend, for instance, you know, with a one goal lead and a minute left, is it time for the top line to go out there with the empty net? Or do we see Adam Lowry? Do we see Andrew Kopp? Do we see some of the guys that, you know, are more traditionally suited in that shutdown role? Um, do they get the call? All of that will be quite interesting. A uh, lot of interesting things happening around the Winnipeg Jets last night. But uh, the one thing I will say this just before we get to the cool bet lines, Remo, um, the the intensity of that game, and I really did think things ramped up big time when Kaprizov took that cheap shot at Logan Stanley. Uh, but it really did feel like um, a bit of hate was back, some intensity was back, and I will agree with Maurice. Um, that was that was the NHL hockey, the Central Division hockey that we've been missing, and we didn't really see much of that, certainly when it comes to the intensity and passion of the games compared to, uh, well, games one and two didn't have much of that. Last night did. Yeah, I mean, you also had uh, Minnesota Wild home opener too. I think the crowd... They're really fed into it, especially when Marcus Foligno fired off that Superman punch that got everyone <laughs> fired ridiculous. up. People <laughs> thought they were at an MMA event after that. So, uh, look, I thought it was a great game, entertaining. It was a tough result for the Jets. They do, I think, you know, the biggest thing to clean up going forward is the penalty kill. I wonder if we do see a change of personnel. Maybe does Morrissey get a chance? Do we see Dubois there, who's looked pretty good? I mean, we've heard he's a two-way center. Or do they bring up uh, David Gustafson? Uh, it's been a tough go for Stanley and DeMello. Um, and then we'll see about, um, you know, the other with Cop Lowry again. They've had had a rough time. We'll see if they can just sort it out and it'll even itself out or they're going to make some some changes because the penalty kill is the thing that's been really, I mean, second last in the league. What is it, like just over 50%. I mean, if you get a – so half the time, if the other team gets a power play, they're scoring a goal. <laughs> Yeah, and again, small sample. I mean, we're only three, talking about three, three games, games, but it's three games that, you know, it'll take you a while to get those numbers up to a reasonable, I mean, you'll have to go on a nice run for, you know, two or three weeks to make up for those. Um, wow, look at this. Neller with the Super Chat. First time, long time here, fellas. Been listening via podcast form for months. Wanted to pop in and say thanks for seven months of great content. Neller. Made our day. Thank you very much for doing that. No, it's great to have people that regularly listen on the podcast when they can pop in and see what's going on on the YouTube channel every day. Um, but, of course, the podcast continues to grow. Well, Remus, you tell me. I mean, this month has been massive for the podcast. I mean, the YouTube has been really solid. We continue to see gains there. By the way, if you're with us and you haven't beforehand, hit the red subscribe button. Join us every day here at 1 o'clock. Um, but we do want to thank the people, especially the new listeners that have been jumping on with us on the podcast because I think we've had like five record days so far just in the month of October alone with single-day downloads for the Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily Podcast. Yes, um, I, I'm sorry, I'm reading, I'm, re, I'm caught here reading the chat. Um, yeah, I know our podcast, like, last 30 days, it's over, like, 90,000 downloads. You know, every week we're hitting new highs. Uh, our subs, we're up 5,600. Uh, we're trying to get more every day, so please, yeah, hit the subscribe button. And if you're already subscribed, hit the like button. All that stuff, uh, 100%, uh, helps us grow the channel, and we do appreciate everyone, uh, everyone popping in. Thank you for that super chat. Uh, I, I don't know if it's... N- 
Kneeler or, or Neller? Am I, I'm trying to read oh, it. Oh, sorry. It was Kneeler. It was Kneeler. I thought those were two L's. My yeah, eyes it's, got to uh, yeah, look better with my really cool glasses here. Um, yeah. But yeah, Kneeler, we appreciate you. And uh, thanks for listening yeah. on the podcast. And as I said to everyone else, you know, there are still people that are finding us every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're talking Jets with your friends, um, just ask them if they know about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let them know where they can find us. That certainly helps. I, and if you are with us on YouTube right now, the easiest thing you can do, hit that thumbs up button right there. We can appreciate the like help us spread the channel as well yeah i will say as far as milestones go we are very close you know we've been doing this for seven and a half months almost eight months we are very close to hitting one million combined youtube views and podcast downloads so that will be happening i think in a couple weeks we might be closing on like 950k so okay we're gonna uh, do we'll do something big for that we'll do something big for that the millie the millie show so uh anyways thanks to everyone for helping us continue to grow this. We certainly are having a great time. And uh, a big part of uh, someone that we should thank is CoolBet. They've been with us from day number one. Let's take a look at the lines we've got for tonight. There's only two games in the National Hockey League this evening. Boston at Philly. Boston is a minus 143 road favorite. Flyers home dog at plus 119. And then, Remo, this is going to be interesting tonight. Vegas, number of guys out of the lineup early on in the season. Uh, They are still favored minus 125 at home against the St. Louis Blues, who've had a pretty nice start to the season. 2-0 on the campaign, looking to go 3-0 and uh, meet the Minnesota Wild with a perfect 3-0 record at the top of the Central Division. Yeah, I watched St. Louis the other night just paced Arizona, and I guess that's not saying much because Arizona is not good. But uh, St. Louis, uh, early on, Hus, in the Central Division, St. Louis and Minnesota looking like big competition for the Jets. We saw Minnesota firsthand. We'll see St. Louis. I do miss those Central Division games that are always very tight. But yeah, two games tonight. Vegas off to a rough start. St. Louis is looking strong. That that Pavel uh, Buchnevich trade, I think, is kind of under the radar. We kind of forgot about him, and they have two very good lines. Tarasenko, I'm not sure about the health of his shoulder, but he's playing on the third line now. Um, so I, I like St. Louis. Tory Krugs, you know, he's got another year there fitting in. You know, they lost. They did lose uh, Vince Dunn in the expansion, but I think St. Louis, I think they're a strong team. I mean, they're only a couple years removed from winning the cup, but... Uh, well, they're, they're won't be helping. It won't be helping them out tonight because he's, he's uh, sitting down for two because uh, he's been suspended mm. for a headbutt on the weekend. So um, uh, anyway, so just two games tonight. A oh. uh, big slate in the league tomorrow. Uh, we'll have to do another DraftKings contest for it. Uh, shout out to uh, who did win last night's contest? Not Rios. me. I've just this is my DraftKings strategy. Um, take McDavid. He's good. Just just pick. <laughs> put him in your lineup. That's what uh that's what I've been doing. And then try to figure it out. I went to figure it out with Montreal last night. Uh, Montreal, they are off to an 0-4 star. And I, I threw in Dvorak and uh, Drouin. They got they got smoked, though, by San Jose. It's funny. You know, San Jose and Anaheim beat, both beat the Jets. And San Jose seems to be on a bit of a heater. And Anaheim has looked very exciting. And we'll see Anaheim again tomorrow. Yeah, you got it. Hey, Darb. Darb, you're with a super chat. What's going on? You didn't have any comment. Just a little donation. Thanks a lot, Darb. Great to have you with us every day here on the mm-hmm. uh, on the chat. Um, yeah, so last night, Andy was Steven. Dominated. Oh, yeah, 160 been... points. Dude, I hope you put that in some other contest. McDavid. 
2450, Dreisaitl 3450, Sorokin and Net 3280, and Andrew Kopp with 26 points. Absolutely monster lineup. Uh, Andy took it down, Blackio second, and Riley the oh. Boy in third place. T Conapoli right there. Fourth place, not too bad. Um, anyways, I'll be better. I was brutal last night. I beat only one person. Band sixty five. There's Hustler, 29th out of thirtieth. Nice. A low moment. Oh, a low moment for my daily daily fantasy banned. career. Uh, we do have a. If you like playing uh, DraftKings fantasy with us, we do have a, a CFL contest. I have to start an NFL one, so we just do three dollar entry. We do a couple a week. But if you're interested. Um, uh, send or, us your username. I don't know. D- yeah, DM either us that or I think you can just, can you search the Winnipeg, if you go to leagues and search Winnipeg yeah, Sports Talk? I'm not sure. And do that can, as well. But, but we yeah, it. I mean, hit us up, uh, you know, on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, let us know you want an invite. We'll make sure you get that. We'll put the link in the chat tomorrow as well. A couple baseball games I do want to get to the lines. Uh, by the way, Cody Bellinger, who had a pretty miserable season last year, ended up being a hero last night, Remus. The, the Dodgers were staring a 3-0 deficit in the face. Eighth inning heroics from Bellinger. They get a win, and now they're a big favorite today. Minus 208 at home against the Braves, while the uh, Red Sox minus 115 against the Houston Astros tonight. Should be some great baseball is, uh, in addition to just two games on the NHL skid. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed only two games. I guess they're rocking that for Wednesdays now. I got to say, this Red Sox-Astros, I think it's, I might have said this here yesterday, but the two like least likable teams. Like I have zero interest in watching either of those teams try and win. Um, I'd li- I'm, I'll pull for the Dodgers or the Braves, but this Red Sox-Astros, like, sc- screw them, right? I'd love to see a Dodgers-Astros series with the Dodgers mm-hmm. sticking it to them. I mean, I think that that's the storyline that I think everyone could get into. Um, would would love, love to see that. Oh, by the way, Mitch is saying, yeah, search leagues, Winnipeg Sports Talk, and then jump in, uh, jump in on that and make sure to reserve your spot going forward. So yeah, a couple baseball games tonight, a couple hockey games, a couple other notes. We should give a shout out. Speaking of odds, uh, Raptors get going tonight. Let's see what the line is. Uh, Raptors, two and a half point favorites at home against the Wizards, minus 133 on the money line. Uh, you know, I think that'll be a real fun night out in T.O. We know how passionate Raptor fans are for the club who really haven't had a chance to see them considering that, you know, they've been on the road um, essentially for the better part of the last couple of years. So the Raptors are back opening it up tonight. Big slate of games in the NBA after the two games to start off the season last night. Uh, Got to give a shout out to the Winnipeg Ice. Ice, I know Joe from Winnipeg is pumped. Uh, the, uh, they're going for 8-0 tonight, Reem. The number one team in the Western Hockey League. The number two team in Canada right now by the ratings. The undefeated Winnipeg Ice looking at 8-0 tonight. That's down at the Max Bell Center. And um, we've also found out that Baker Mayfield out for Thursday night football tomorrow, Reem. And um, I'm happy I got on the Broncos yesterday on the lock shop at three and a half. That game is currently off the board right now as they figure out what to do with it. But the Browns going into tomorrow, home game against the Broncos without Baker Mayfield, without Nick Chubb, and without Kareem Hunt. Um, arguably, their three most impactful offensive players all out right now. Going to be very tough for the Browns to get that done and get the win without the uh, key pieces of their offense. Yeah, you kind of need um, your starting quarterback, right? And uh, and the running backs, you, I would think that you need those guys. Who's their backup, Cleveland? Like, I know we had a Geno Smith I make an appearance. I, that, I'm pretty sure it's Case Keenum. Who's? Oh, yeah, no, I think you're right. It is Case Keenum. It's like, oh, that guy's still in the league? 
So we have, yeah, Mike Lennon with the Giants. He came in for a couple throws the other week. And uh, Geno Smith was one. Like, Smith Gino. 7? Who is this guy? But, yeah, Case Keenum, uh, most recently seen with the Vikings, uh, what taking them to the playoffs. That was that was wild a couple years ago. Yeah, so uh, Case Keenum getting the start for the Browns tomorrow. Uh, so, yeah, Raptor home opener tonight. Ice at home, looking to go 8-0. A couple mm. games in the National Hockey League, the TNT games. So we'll look forward to seeing if we can catch yeah. some of that. And then tomorrow, Jets home opener against Anaheim. We'll uh, turn up the, uh, we'll, we'll channel the new day with the power of positivity to get into the win column tomorrow. And then hopefully, Remus, you won't have to be hammering that button in the top right corner of your screen, the panic should, button. Should don't, I hit don't, it? Or no, should, no, back getting, off a little I'm bit. We're not ready. We're, you're close, but the panic button, not ready to be hit in Winnipeg just yet. See what the team can do at home tomorrow in the home opener. Um, so, folks, make sure you join us tomorrow on the program. I do have a pair of tickets we will give away on the program tomorrow. Very good chance we'll um, do something like we often do on Fridays. Um, we want to make sure people can go to the game before they enter. Uh, we were thinking about doing something on social media, but I think it would be a fun way to finish up the show tomorrow, mm-hmm. make someone's day, and then send them a pair of tickets to go see the home opener. So make sure you join us tomorrow for that. Um, and otherwise, uh, we'll get ready. Uh, going to be great. Ken Weeb's going to join us to set up tomorrow's Winnipeg Jets home opener. And then Marat will be on the program on Friday to recap the opener. Hopefully talk about the first Jets win of the season and discuss Saturday's game against the Nashville Predators on Friday's show. We'll also get ready for Bombers-Lions on Friday with Ed Tate of the bluebombers.com. Uh, big thanks again to Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, of course, not Auto Corp, our great friends over at Waverly McGillivray, and Cool Bet Canada. If you've never played over at Cool Bet, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your deposit up to $200. Big thanks to Scott Billick. He was awesome today. Thanks to Darren Bombing. Thanks to everyone filling up the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat room. Um, thanks for joining us on the podcast. If you're listening by audio and everyone hanging out here at the in uh, YouTube today, great to have you with us. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow, folks. Pair of tickets to give away on the show. Ken Weeb setting up Jets Ducks. We'll hear from the coach from his comments in the morning before tomorrow's game, and then we'll get after it downtown for the first time in what seems like forever with regular season Winnipeg Jets hockey down at Canada Life Center. Have a great night, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.